Bada bing, bada boom. Realest guys in the room. It's the below average Joes. And we're back. We're back in here with your weekend preview. Guaranteed to be a banger. There is three different cards we're going over here, Dom. PFL Week 5. You got the heavyweights, the featherweights. Bellator 282. You got Gegard Mousasi defending the middleweight title against Johnny Eblen. And last but not least, you have UFC Vegas 57. Yes, Noah. Look, I didn't, I didn't, look, look how excited I am. Look how prepared I came this time. I didn't just say Vegas and blah, 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 blah. I mean, did I pull it out of my ass to get that one right? Maybe. But 57 headlined by an exceptional main event between two of the most promising young talents in that talent stacked UFC lightweight division along with a lot of other fights across all these cards i'm excited to talk about this it's been a while since we've had three different promotions all putting on cards in the same weekend i wish we saw more of this i wish the pfl and bellator would capitalize more often when the ufc is you know either taking a little break taking a week off but regardless we're here we're getting all three the same weekend i'm excited dominic how are you feeling now that we're I guess when you guys are watching this, we're a day out from our uh, first two, PFL and Bellator, Friday. Yes, this is true. I'm super excited, man, to have the big three in the MMA space, especially here domestically, uh, back in action. I'm excited. Uh, Bellator, PFL, UFC, great fights all across the board. Over, I think, nearly 40 total fights across all three cards as well. So we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot to discuss. We've got a lot to break down and give you guys the nitty-gritty. But first, but first, let me take a selfie. Remember that no, song? Actually, I, I think you just unlocked something in my brain. That I, I the whole song is now playing. Yeah. What we really need to do is plug our social media, Dominic, because we would love you guys to come follow us over there. Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. If you want me to repeat that, I'm not going to. Just go to YouTube and look above Dominic's head. Yes. Um, Also, you can follow us on our uh, personal Instagram and Twitters. Uh, Dominic is at Diesely14. And me, I'm at NTBaker underscore. Yes. Seriously, guys, go support the TikTok. Dominic's been working hard. That's fun. uh, Getting that off the ground. You know, that's our newest little endeavor just so you know just more content right yeah something extra you know something to flesh out the you know kind of i don't know what the word i'm looking for like you know you you wake up after like a like a tough workout or like for for us after like a tough high school football game and you're all sore but it like feels good you just want to like shake out the lactic acids you know i remember those yeah yeah well that's that's what the the tiktok's really for it's like a palate cleanser on those days off where we're not really doing an episode but Guys, this is a 24-7 job for us. Damn right. It's a passion. It's a love. So, so I would love for you guys to just show a little bit of support because Dominic's working hard over there. So uh, more support, the better. Yes. Now let's get into the main event, Dominic, unless you have anything you'd like to say. I've been waiting on it. I've been waiting on it. <laughs> Back to the apex we go in Las Vegas, Nevada. Armand Saryukin comes in at a minus 280 favorite. He's the number 11 ranked lightweight contender in the world and he takes on the man right behind him number 12 hmm. matos 
Gamrot at plus 235. Dominic, one of the biggest videos we've had as of late, one of the most uh, supported videos we've had as of late was our clip talking about why this main event was so deserving of that. That was from our uh, last uh, verbal sparring. sparring. Yep. yep. So go check that out if you haven't yet. After this, of course. You know, yes. You know. Yes. But in there, Dominic, we had a lot to say about this being the main event because there was, at the time, there was a lot of chatter on the other side. People, I don't want to target um, our our good pal. Uh, our boy. <laughs> what's yeah. I'm blanking his name. I'm like, my boy, and I can't. We literally. Oh, my gosh. There's so many reporters, guys. I know. And we we like this guy, too. It's such a shame. Um, Basically, he had put a tweet out there when this was announced as the main event saying, Is this the worst main event in UFC history? Not because he didn't like the fight, but saying, due to the relative name value, it's not what the views are going to be like on it, whatever. We argued against that point. Um, Felt like we were kind of the defenders of this fight at the time. Like it felt like, you know, there wasn't really a strong. Like I, I he rightfully maybe got a, maybe too much got some shit for that. Yeah. But I felt like there were a lot of people who sort of felt similar, mm-hmm. and that we needed a strong voice, which is what we were trying to do to be kind of the the positive beacon of this fight. Yep. And Dominic, I'm not going to credit our video as being what turned the tide. But I feel like as we sit here today, just a couple days away from fight night, this main event, I feel like a lot of people are looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are showing love for it. And hopefully, this is a sign of things to come with the main event matchmaking. Um, a fight that truly is just giving us everything we need to know about these two guys right now will be answered on Saturday. And that was a long-winded start to this conversation. But my question for you, when you look at this fight, mano y mano, Saryukin versus Gamrot, what questions on either side or both sides are you looking to see answered Saturday? I mean, the the question for both guys that they have to answer, if you want to start with a mutual one, is just like, ready or not, here you go. You're in the main event. Both of these guys, the first time ever, you've proven that ever since both of their debuts, they've went on tears. Armand's won five in a row. Matosa's won three in a row. Now you're paired with each other. A top 15 chance here to break in even to the top 10, which I believe is definitely in the cards as a result of this fight. Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready to jump into, dare I say, the elite status of the lightweights? Because let's face it, this division is very elite number one through 10 plus well i guess we don't have a champion but let's be honest Charles Oliveira. so the champion has a name damn right so i mean it's unbelievable the storylines here there's so many and it is like that that overwhelming one the cloud surrounding it are you ready to jump into the deep end and uh, you know sometimes we don't like when these prospects are paired with one another but this one just feels so right We've mm-hmm. seen them kind of. We've seen them face veterans. We've seen them face other young up and comers. Just look at Saryukin, especially his last fight. He destroyed Joel Alvarez. Gamrot destroyed a veteran in Diego Ferreira. Two opposite spectrums, but now they still meet here for a reason. These guys deserve every bit of a main event spot. And uh, you know, honestly, the winner goes on to main event many, many more fight cards in my opinion and the loser still not even far out i believe that this fight could even happen a second time down the line this the the future 
is now. That's what this fight is. These guys have a combined professional MMA record of 38 and 3 and yep. 1. Yeah. Also combined UFC record of 8 and 2. So neither guy has actually come in here unscathed in their MMA or uh, UFC careers probably more yep. um, importantly. But both have looked incredible up to this point. They they've really been on great runs. Um, I think though it's got to be a talking point that Saryukin being such a heavy favorite. I mean, minus two eighty, yeah, pretty heavy for a guy. We're, we're, we're so we feel like this fight's so competitive on paper. Um, so when I look at that, you know, I think Dominic, the reason for those odds being so skewed to him, even if I think it might be a little too much, is the fact that I think the talent Star Yukin's been fighting has been a lot of matchups like this. Yeah, he's been getting tested against guys that are just as hungry just as much have a youthful vigor about him uh-huh. as he is, which is not easy. I mean, going up against his one loss in the UFC, Islam Makachev, in what was a pretty competitive fight. Yeah, He has wins over Olivier Aubin-Mercier, who's doing great things in the PFL. Matt Fravola, yep. who's really bounced back after a couple tough losses. Coming off of that destruction of Joel Alvarez. Didn't see who, that coming for me. Joel, yeah, Joel Alvarez had looked like maybe he would be the guy yes. in this kind of position. Um, and and sorry, you can put up one of the best performances of the year against yes. him, an absolute bloody beatdown. Yes. Matos Gamrot's look fantastic, but it's again against more of that aging out yeah. talent. Jeremy Stevens and Diego Ferreira, like you mentioned, Scott Holtzman, also mm-hmm. another win on there. Uh, his one loss was his debut in the UFC, and that was against a guy who just fought last week. Um, another guy that you could have in this in this yep. very much talent stack 155 kind of crop of uh, fresh faces, Garam Kutataladze. Yes, uh, I think it was a split decision. Yeah, that he memory, arguably won. Yeah, memory serves me right. Uh, Matos Gamrod again, very competitive fight, but that was really his lone fight against someone who sort of shared a lot of similar attributes. If you want to go off of kind of the the youth. The, the athleticism, the speed, the yeah. the power. You know, when you're going up against these guys like Jeremy Stevens, Diego Ferreira, there it does say a lot to beat them because they do have such a advantage in terms of fight IQ, in terms of um, just their experience level, the kind of names they fought before. Yeah. But they're also just much older in the game, a little more worn out, a little bit battle worn. You know, they're they've their better days are behind them. So I think that's what's led to the discrepancy in terms of the betting odds, Dom. But I'm curious, when you evaluate this fight, do you think this accurately depicts kind of the fight we're going to get? Or do you think Matos Gamrot might be just that real deal? Yeah, man, that that's so hard because you look at odds like this, you're like, holy shit, it's not even going to be close. That's what you, when it's a <laughs> minus 280, that's yeah. a lot of the time what you would think. There's a couple of those on the card that we'll talk about later for the betting. But in this one, I can't help but think part of me thinks it's going to be this just really technical, just beautiful battle, potentially even go five rounds. Another question to be answered from both these guys as well. When Noah's bringing up kind of storylines in this fight, but then there's another part of me that thinks the winner of this is just going to starch the other guy. I, I, I don't know which side to lean more toward man, but again, the odds don't say it's going to be close. So yeah, I don't know. Sorry. You can, 
is just much younger, right? 25 to 31. And Gamrot, yes, a prospect still surging through. But Sir Yukon literally, in terms of the youth, uh, is kind of embraces that prospect title even much more so. And I think it is kind of what you said. He's beating the younger guys that are kind of held in the same regard. I mean, again, like I said, I didn't think he was going to – I actually picked Joel Alvarez to win that fight. And then, Sir Yukon not only beat him, he beat him into a bloody pulp. It was disgusting. So uh, I don't know, man. I feel like – the odds are in Sir Yukon's favor because of performances like that. But when you look at Gamrot, yes, it is against older guys. All three wins in the UFC are via finish, though, and a lot of them are relatively brutal, like in dominant fashion as well. So I, I just, th- this fight, I don't know which way to lean. How's it going to play out? I don't know. I mean, the odds it, are scary. Is it is it easy to say that Diego Ferreira is the best win of both of their careers? Or combined, if you combine them? I mean, Diego Perra was a top so. 15 fighter. Armand Saryukin, I don't believe, has... I would say like, so. None of his wins have been against... I mean, Joel Alvarez may have been ranked when they fought, but I don't think he was. Yeah, I feel like the winner that got in. Yeah, yeah so right. Saryukin has yet to beat a ranked opponent, and yet he's number 11. And I, I think there's, that's deservedly yes. so. Yeah. Um, it's just always a little strange when someone gets that far up in the rankings without actually defeating a ranked fighter. But I think it's just been a lot of turnover. Yeah. A lot of guys leaving, a lot of guys coming in. Um, Matos Gamrot, Diego Ferreira, clearly was a ranked fighter at the time. Not too far before that, a top 10 fighter in the division. Yeah. Um, obviously, spell of bad luck. COVID may have gotten away of kind of really seeing what he could do at maybe his uh, absolute best. You know, he had that great win against Anthony Pettis and then mm-hmm. spent like a year on the shelf. Yeah. It is it is what it is. But um, I definitely think this is a more competitive bout than the odds tell you. Oh, yeah. I still lean towards Saryukin, and you'll see that later when we get into some of the betting side. But... It's, I mean, the odds are so skewed that, like, it's hard not to put a little bit on Matos Gamrod. If you don't feel strongly enough about either guy, like, or, or of course, if you lean very heavily to Gamrod, of course. But if you just are kind of 50-50, think this fight can go either way, how do you not put money on Gamrod? At plus 235, you may never get him at those kind of odds ever again in his career. Yeah. Um, what I What I would say, Dominic, is when I look at this fight and what I – think the matchup's going to be is who's wrestling who's grappling is going to take over here yeah that's, that's what i want to know because you part of me if you had asked me about this matchup maybe six months ago maybe even a little bit before that i may have told you that i thought gamrot might get the better of the grappling exchanges might be the better wrestler of the two yeah better pure grappler of the two but the way saryukin is just sort of it's not just how he grapples, but it's the ground and pound he puts together. With he doesn't it. just lay, dude. He There's goes no wasted Ill. movement. No, no wasted movement at all. And that's what you were about to allude to is uh, he goes for the kill. Yeah. You saw that no clearer than in his last few performances, like we mentioned, Joel Alvarez. But even before that, Christos Yagos, he did that on the feet, I think, for the whole fight. Yep. Um, so showing the improvements in the striking. I think we've seen in his wins, Saryukin show a more developed game as well. We've seen just a little bit more of him. While Matos Gamrot, excellent submissions, excellent ground game. It's going to be a test. That, yes. That's really We're really going to have a lot answered about not just the state of where these guys are, but I think there's going to be a lot of takeaways as far as, okay, the winner of this fight 
they might be a rocket strapped to their ass and they might be right. heading right for the, the title picture here soon. Yeah, that that old wave in this lightweight division, they they have to leave. We've seen them start trickling out a little <laughs> bit at a time, right? We've seen even Gamrot take out one of them, like Noah already said. But yeah, the winner of this, I do agree, will be launched into mm. the elite status. All right, more on this fight to come. Let's talk about the co-main event for this oh, card. Oh, my goodness. There could be a debate. As much as we love the main event and as much as we supported it, Dom, I do think there's a debate to be had on if this fight might not be the true main event of the card in some ways. Yeah. Because on one end, you got Neil Magny, still ranked number 10 at welterweight. He is looking to break George St. Pierre's yep. welterweight record for wins. But Dominic... He's not being given a gimme fight to do it. In order to do so, he would have to be the first man yes. to defeat Shavkat Rachmanov. For those of you that aren't aware of Shavkat Rachmanov, you need to educate yourselves now. Yeah, you got a couple days to catch up. Because think of what we all know about Hamzat Chemaev. Yeah, this guy's probably going to be fighting Tom's up for yeah. here soon. Yeah. And honestly, you might as well, like, look, I know maybe some people aren't as uh, sold on Hamzat as they were before the Gilbert Burns fight, but I think me and you both are. We're still very yes. high on him. Yes. Um, Shavkat Rachmanov might be better right he now. He really might be. Much like, more well-rounded, yeah, I would think. That, that, that's, well, you might be right. I mean, it's... It's hard for me to like go out on a limb and say it, but yeah. I definitely see the argument for it. He's fifteen and yeah. zero, three and zero in the UFC. Um, all three of his wins via finish: two submissions, one KO. The KO over Carlston Harris with the spinning wheel, wheel kick. kick. Yeah, Carlston Harris, a solid opponent, by the way. Not a guy that you should be sleeping on either. And then even before that, his debut, Dominic, against a fighter who is now no longer in the company, but Cowboy Oliveira is your debut. Yeah. And you get the submission victory over him. I know Cowboy Oliveira, you know, at his worst, he is a guy that kind of he gets put on a lot of highlight reels. Yeah. But That's a tough debut for is, anyone. That is not an easy debut. No. Nowhere near an easy debut at all. And he made it look easy. That's yes. That's just the truth of the matter. And really, for, for Neil Magny, Dom... Respect for taking yeah, a fight that's, like this. That, we, should we give him a round of applause? Like, just a, just a little, little clap the guy, the, guy said, the guy says, I'll take on Hamza at the UFC. Best I can give you is chop cop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I respect so much that this guy is... He wants to, he wants to smoke. He wants yeah. to fire. He wants to jump in the fire. Yes. He called for Hamzat for so long, it just seemed to just slip out of his fingertips a couple times. Um, but then even after his win at Columbus, uh, UFC Columbus against Max Griffin, Sick fight. he called for, again for Hamzat. Yep. But you knew Hamzat, if he beat Gilbert Burns, it might just be a step too far away at this point. Yeah. So I kind of agree with the decision maybe to not do that fight because I don't know if it really needs to happen. Not right but, now, yeah. But... The UFC said, well, we got this other guy. <laughs> exactly. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I have full respect for Neil Magny for taking this fight because, Dominic, I think the UFC is going to have a really hard time. If Shavkat Rachmanov comes in here and does to Neil Magny, even a fraction of what he was able to do to the likes of Carlston Harris, Michelle Prezeris, and Alex Oliveira, 
the UFC is going to have to beg and plead the top 10 of this division to take a fight with this guy because he's a he is he's a bit like I'm trying to think of a good comparison for Shafkai here like an animal like a he's a bit of a snake and mm. I'm gonna okay so this is kind of doesn't make a lot of noise yeah you know like yeah. what, what like a rattlesnake what's a poisonous snake like a rattlesnake or an animal yeah. is that a, is that a rattlesnakes they rattle <laughs> they rattle in yes, their ass I, yes i i yes i i didn't need the uh okay <laughs> i, I just figured just in case yeah. yeah 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 um but thank you um yeah of course <laughs> i think a rattlesnake's poisonous i don't know guys it is I'm not, yes I, I, I don't know <laughs> anyways he's a bit of a well, rattlesnakes make noise. My point is, he's a he's a poisonous ass snake that doesn't make a lot of noise. Okay, he's not someone that a lot of people, you know. If you go to the casual fans, they all know who Hamzad is at this point. Yep. I don't think a lot of guys know who Shafkat Rachmanov is. I think the nope. hardcore fans are well aware of how dangerous and the potential that he holds. But I think he's a bit of like our guy right now. Like he's our yep. he's our little secret. Yes. And. Um, I don't know if he'll be after this fight. No. I mean, Neil Magny is in the co-main event of this card. That's a stage that uh, could be, you know, it's the brightest it'll be for him at this point and could really open a lot of people's eyes. But um, <laughs> to finish off my uh, analogy here about the whole snake thing is that um, you the reason why none of these fighters are going to want to fight him is because... He doesn't make a lot of noise. He's not someone that's on your that you're you know very aware of in terms of the top of this division. But man, you get into a, you get into an arena with him, you get into a cage with him, you find yourself facing off with that snake. Yeah. One bite and you're done. Yeah, yeah. He's he's and, a deadly. He's a sniper. Dare I say? Maybe not my best uh, analogy, no, but it was good. It <laughs> you was know, good. I, I tried my best. And it was a. Hey, it was our first time talking about snakes on the show. I'll take it. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, and uh, that—that's really the truth of the matter here with Shavkat Rachmanov. Is as much as I respect Neil Magny for taking this fight, it's hard to you know, it's hard to side with him here, in my opinion. Even yeah. though nineteen and seven in the UFC, I mean, this guy—he's won four of his last five fights. He's always loss, been slept on forever. Yeah, the only loss he has in that run has been Michael Chiesa. Yeah, uh, which was the beginning of uh, 2021, I believe. Yeah, main event. Fight Island. So, uh, outside of that, he's been great. I mean, he's really been on a good run. Wins over Jeff Neal, Robbie Lawler, Max Griffin, like we just mentioned. Along with, obviously, he has bigger names even if you go further back. But for me, Dominic, I will say at UFC Columbus, did it not feel like maybe Neil Magny was just losing a little step like a half step a little bit like like maybe he would have more easily defeated max griffin just a couple years earlier did it feel like that to you he did a little bit you know credit a little bit to max griffin as well he Mm kind of took magny out of his wheelhouse magny's one that likes to you know grind you up against that fence and really does a lot of work in the clinch but he finally did utilize his reach no and i have always talked about no magny always having a reach advantage but never utilizing it because he likes to clinch and grapple so much and that fight he was kind of forced to use it and he did all right um he looked a little bit slower it was a split decision very close fight could have went either way um so i think like to have that and then to go right into shavka three months later less than three months um it, it's a huge 
huge jump. Um, and, you know, I love Noah's analogy when comparing Rachmaninoff to Hamza because at three fights, everybody knew who Hamza was, right? He was mm-hmm. taking fights. He fought twice in 10 days or whatever the hell it was. Well, Shavkat's also 3-0 and in the UFC, also has three amazing finishes, including the spinning wheel kick. But you don't hear about him because he's very quiet and a silent assassin. Shout out mm-hmm. to Vicente Luque. I think that's his nickname. But Shavkat... Dude, it's a, it's one, it says a lot for anyone to beat Neil Magny, but if he does go in here and gets a finish, ladies and gentlemen, Shavkat has 15 wins, 15 finishes, just in case you didn't know, by the way. It it not only just says how good he is, but just like we talked about a rocket ship in the main event. Strap another rocket ship right on here to Shavkat's ass if he's going to go finish Neil Magny. Like, this is a big coming-out party for young prospects in the future of the UFC. And it's, it's here in the co-main event too. Yeah. Neil Magny, by the way, 18 decisions in his career, 15 yep. of those in the UFC. So 15 decisions in 26 bouts, Shafkat Rachmanov, zero decisions. That's really where I, I am most invested in this fight, Dominic. I, I think Shafkat Rachmanov should win this fight. Yeah. Um, it's a big test. It's a great matchup, I think, but to me, it's how is he going to get it done? And obviously, yeah. that's not to overlook Neil Magny here. Because in my opinion, if Shavkat Rachmanov is not finishing this fight, if he's not knocking out Neil Magny, if he's not submitting Neil Magny, which obviously is not easy to do, when this fight gets into the later parts of round two and round three, does Rachmanov still look the same? Oh, is yeah. He still, oh, yeah. Does he still carry himself in that, that well-rounded skill set? Is it? Is there any chinks in the armor late? Because, you know, Neil Magny will find them. If oh, are. yeah. Well, you said he's never obviously been to a decision. No, he's only even been to a third round just once. Wow. that's Neil Magny lives in the third round. This is where – that's why I'm kind of hoping. You know, I not that I would hope for Neil Magny to get finished early, but obviously you, you fans of the sport, you love, guys... to see, you love to see quick finishes and stuff like that. Of course. But I'm hoping this fight – sees the third round. I want it all to be brought out of Shavkat. I want to see Neil Magny start to try to wear on Shavkat, yep. and I want to see how he responds. 100%. That's what we need to get answered about this guy now, because if it doesn't get answered here, if he starches him, I mean, how can you not do the same thing we did with Hamza? Exactly. It's like, shoot him up to the top. And then and we you know, find out the dog yeah, in him. Then you find out what yep. Hamza's capable of and what maybe he's lacking in yep. against Gilbert Burns. But until then, Shavkat may be he may be he may be the second pound for pound best fighter in this division right now. Yeah. It just in terms of pure skill and we just have no idea yet. That's 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 really how I feel. That's how highly I kind of view his upside. And we really will find out in this matchup. We will. Yeah. Neil Magny, eighteen decisions, man. I mean the gives he, he makes more decisions than uh, you know a judge. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> I was about to say. I was about to say to Judge Judy. <laughs> uh, anyways, put a little clip of Judge Judy in there. Boop. All right. What were the children doing on the roof? I've lived in houses oh, my yeah. whole life. I were... have five children. I have thirteen grandchildren. Getting... I never saw them on the roof. And uh, moving on, because right. more more from this card to come later in the betting portion. But we do want to talk about Bellator 282. It's been a while it's since we talked while, about man. Bellator. Last time was 281, Pitbull McKee 2. There's yeah, no way. It was, so was, long that ago. Really, was that 281? I think so. 
Long time. It's been over a month since they've had an event. Oh, I think it's been longer than that. I think month and a really, half. It's got to be April, right? Yeah. Wow. It's true. That's when it was. It's felt, you felt it too. You know, for all oh, the yeah. crap that we give Bellator and uh, that a lot of people do, and rightfully so, you felt their presence missing over over this time. You know, the UFC. There were opportunities for them to have cards, and yes. they don't. The last few weeks, the UFC had been killing it, obviously. UFC 275, and then the Austin fight night was yeah. amazing. But just a month ago, Don, we had a string of fight nights that were not great. Not, not great. Yeah, and we could. I would have loved to have had like, and that was without the PFL or Bellator. That was without both of them. It was tough. It was tough, but we're back now. It's our only title being defended across all three shows here. Bellator middleweight title on the line. Gegard Mousasi Dom takes on the number one contender Johnny Eblen. Big discrepancy if you want to go into the experience of these two. Kind of the story of. Well, his last fight for sure against uh, Austin Vanderford for Gegard. It's a bit of <laughs> a lot of people are comparing the two matchups because Johnny Evelyn, I believe, is twelve and zero or eleven and zero. Yeah, I, I believe Austin Vanderford was like ten and zero, eleven and zero. Both guys pride themselves on being these great wrestlers, great grapplers, and um, you saw what Gegard Mousasi did to Mister Van Zandt, Austin Vanderford, yep. put him out in under a minute. Will Johnny Evelyn? face the same fate well yeah tune in to find out but we will tell you our thoughts right now i don't think he faces the same fate as austin vanderford and tell me why not the same style of loss and i know that's you know is that really saying much well i think he's gonna make it out the first minute yeah (laughs) like wow analysis baby that's right (laughs) um no i i do think johnny evelyn I think on this win streak, his win over John Salter, who also fought uh, Gegard Mousasi not too long ago, was very dominant. Yep. And it, it to me, he looked very polished in his wrestling. His wrestling looked very solid. Now, if this fight is on the feet, I don't have too much confidence in Johnny Evelyn to no. to make it a fight, really. I think Gegard is just too, too talented there. And really, even in the wrestling department, like I know that's where people seem to think that Gegard could you know, have his faltering moment or his downside. He's, he's rock solid everywhere, man. I mean, it's yeah. not easy. He's so good. And, and um, here, Joe, Johnny Evelyn comes from a great line of wrestlers out there at uh, the University of Missouri. Uh, guys like uh, Michael Chandler, Tyron Woodley, Ben Askren mm-hmm. uh, came through there. So I do think that Johnny Eblen in his corner, by the way, I was talking to Dom about this off recording. I mean, you're talking King Mo, Dustin Poirier, Mike Brown. I mean, that's a who's who all-star oh, yeah. lineup for your for your corner. And not that I'm, Gegard obviously has a rock-solid corner as well, but these are some factors that just kind of make me think. I feel like Johnny Eblen is going to get unfairly compared to Austin Vanderford due to those surface-level similarities the records being very similar. Both of their plans of attack involve wrestling. But it really, when you go beyond that, I just think that Johnny Eblen just has a lot more to show for it up to this point. I think he's proven to be uh, better in Bellator. Like The wins are more convincing. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it's still a tough, tough, tall task to take on Gegard Musasi. I mean... Only 12-0 and 0 in your MMA career, and you're taking on a guy who has 
five times, four yeah, times, literally five over five times. times. Yeah, it's just it's, it's it's an uphill battle, and that's what all of these fights have been lately yeah. for Yegard Musasa. He is just spit yeah. chewing up and spitting out these guys that just don't have the experience. And that, dude, like how many people <laughs> across all promotions are going to have the experience that Yegard Musasi does? Not many. Well, does especially it especially these guys? Is it kind of, it's kind of weird how his run has kind of gone because it feels like he kind of took out the toughest matchups like early, early. on. Douglas yeah. Lima, uh, Rory McDonald, Right. Both both undersized compared to him, which was kind of the the I guess anybody who's still kind of holding out that Gegard's like a top middleweight. I I think that's like the the shade that gets thrown on those fights is mm-hmm. how undersized Rory and um, Douglas were in them. So now he's going up against guys more his size, but the discrepancy in the experience is just insurmountable in, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Um, I, you know how I'm feeling. I'm leaning towards Gegard pretty huge here. But I do think that Eblen... I, I, I could see him making this... Like I could see him getting to a decision. I could. Yeah. I don't think it'd be a very close to... Like a 49-46 you know, type decision. Yeah. Um, I could see him getting a takedown and holding it for the majority of a round... He's a grinder, you know. Um, yeah, he is. But I just overall, I, I, you got to side with the proven commodity, the guy who's been there, done that, who's proven to be dangerous and just talented everywhere, yeah. and doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon. Dominic, did anything I just say do you disagree with, or are we all basically on the same page here? No, I feel like we're on the same page, and I just feel like every time at this point that we're talking about Yegard, which we talk about him a lot, he's staying really active. It's just a broken record because he's fighting these younger guys that are great wrestlers or they're they're just one dimensional, right? But then you look at Yegard, twenty eight knockouts, twelve submissions. He's been doing this shit since he, we were in diapers. I feel like Noah, and it's just like there's nothing. And again, it's fighting; anything can happen. But on paper, when you look at these guys, it's just like there's nothing that they can do. That Yegard has not already seen, man. He's been in Strike Force. He's been in the UFC. He's been in Bellator. He's winning championships left and right. It's just, it's tough for any of these young guys. But if they were to do it, that's a fucking statement. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's an uphill battle. It is for all of these guys right now at this weight class. Because Yegard just is like making laps at this point. Mm-hmm. But if someone can do it, I think it does say a, a, a lot for that kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say a passing of the torch. Yegard's only 36, and he still looks like he's getting better and better. But it would feel that way at the same time. A little bit. It's it's kind of miraculous, though, that Gegard is still fighting at this level. Because, yes, 36 years old, that's no, by no means like the end of your career at 185 pounds. But, Dominic, the fight years. Yep, I mean, you talk <laughs> about it a lot. Yep. You know, and when you look at it, I guess it's not, you know, how much damage has he really accumulated? You know, it's not like he's been finished that many times throughout his career. So, yeah. that probably has played a big part in him being able to maintain, mm-hmm. you know, longevity. longevity. Yeah. And I would say, I guess, that to go hand-in-hand hand with that, maybe he also is just super I'm, – I'm assuming he's also just super focused, uh, just always in a fight camp, basically. Oh, yeah. Just, Oh, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a full time job for him, I'm sure. So, um, it's a it's. I'll be interested to see like if he wins here. Like, I'll be curious what we have to say come Monday because mm-hmm. you're kind of running out of 
We're running out guys of here. Yeah, and guys <laughs> to fight him. Yeah, very yeah. true. More on this card to come a little bit later as well. We got one more, Dom. That's the PFL Woo. Week 5. First one that'll be airing, uh, I believe they, well, actually Bellator's prelims may start earlier. But oh, it's you competition get it. that night. Yeah, 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 yeah. PFL Week 5 coming to you on Friday from ES on ESPN+. Plus. Excuse me. Heavyweights and featherweights, Dominic. I'm going to run through the standings real quick. What we have coming in here. So at heavyweight, Hendon Frajera, number one with uh, six points. Tied for first, Dennis Goltsov also with six points. I believe Bruno Capaloza has five, and then I think Ante Dalia has four. That's a pretty solid top four right there, by the way. Oh, yeah, it's great. Hendon Frajera has been kind of the big standout uh, so far for me. Mm -hmm. Um, He's the guy that had that weird fight with Fabricio Verdum last season where – he like probably tapped, but then the ref didn't see us, and then he just knocked out yeah. Fabricio Verdum. But he's been back in a big way. That first round knockout he had in his first matchup was spectacular. He broke his own record for the yeah. fastest and knockout. He looks, I mean, he's terrifying. Like oh, just, he's he looks like a tight end, an NFL tight end. <laughs> he's yeah. he's literally like he's Brazilian, I think, right? Yeah, yes. Sahara. He's Brazilian, Rob Gronkowski. He is six foot eight. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's unreal. It's Brazilian uh, Stefan Struve. That's what we're looking at here. And then you got last season's winner. The last two seasons winners, I believe. Uh Bruno Capaloza, I believe, is back to back, right? Wasn't he no, back just back? last year. Just last year. It was, was just last season. year. Okay. But Bruno Capaloza ran through all the competition last Destroyed year. Destroyed him. Yeah. However, in the championship, Ante Delia and him. Had one of the best fights of the year, the best fight the PFL put on all year. Yes. And those all three of those guys in the top four. And then you got Dennis Goldsov, who also had a first round finish. So very competitive there in the top four. All finishes there. All guys looking to hold on to for dear life here in round two. Cause again, Dom, you know, when six points, first round finish, I mean it swings that can you know we, I wouldn't surprise me if all four of these guys, you know, just doubled down, got wins, yeah. and yeah. held their spots, maybe just moved around a little bit. But it also wouldn't surprise me if, like, one of these guys wins and still doesn't get in, as crazy as that is to say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, featherweight is a whole different story. This is the division that you have to be most interested in watching on this card specifically because – we have a five-way tie. It's crazy. Literally every fight in that featherweight division went to a decision, Dom. So Not you have five point. winners, all with three points. Brendan Lochnane listed as number five, the the guy on the outside looking in. Yeah. The guy with maybe the most to prove here. Yes. But also you got Shaman Marais, Alejandro Flores, Chris Wade, and Bubba Jenkins also in that top five. So – a lot at stake here, obviously. This is where the playoff matchups get made. Um, what fights are kind of standing out to you or what fighters are standing out to you on this card that you are looking forward to watching, looking to see how they either maybe bounce back from a previous loss or maybe rise to the occasion? What is it that you're watching out for at PFL 5? 
Dude, dare I say, I'm still looking out for a two-time champion. I believe two-time, but definitely one-time. Lance Palmer on that very much outside looking in because he lost that first fight against Chris Wade. So now he's Three-fight losing streak. Three-fight losing streak from the former champ in the PFL. Outside looking in. Noah, if you're if you're Lance Palmer, you have to come in and get a finish. You have to come in and get a first-round finish because if all five of these dudes just win another decision, yeah. you're out because they're, they're going to have six points. And he's also gotten a lot of criticism for his lack of being able to do that. He doesn't yes. tend to get a lot of finishes. So, Tons of God, decisions. you got the pressure is on him because he, is, he won the first two seasons, I believe. He won back-to-back. Yeah. 18-19. Since then, it's just been, I mean – we talked about this last season. Did the division catch up? Is he aging out? You know, right. what is it? And, man, three losses in a row, like one more, and you got to think it's one of the two. Either the, the talent's caught up or he's just aging out. It's right. Names like Brent, you know, when you have guys like Bubba Jenkins, who's looked really good at times, and, and Brendan Lochnane, who seems just poised to break out yeah. at some point. I mean, ever, the fans are behind this guy. This is the guy who – was kind of controversially not given a contract on the contender series, probably one of the bigger snubs, uh, if you want to call it that, from the time. And uh, Dana kind of doubled down when asked about him and said, you know, one of these other promotions can prove it if he's that guy. Go show me I'm wrong. Yeah. So far, has he been proven wrong? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think Lockney's been very good. I think he's been a solid guy here in the pfl by by no means has he proven that he should be in the ufc necessarily i think he's got the talent to do so i think he's got the upside to do so he just has to go show it he opens this card it's crazy kind of disrespectful a little bit maybe showing that maybe the pfl maybe not that committed to to him as being a face of their promotion i don't necessarily think that's what it means but you got to think a guy like that should be fighting on a main card for sure. And uh, to be opening the curtain jerker, it's got to be a bit disappointing. So I'm definitely looking out for him. Dare um, I say the most pressure out of any fighter on the card is in Brendan on, on this night. And there's a lot of pressure on a yes, lot of these fighters, man. Yes, you know yes, what I mean? But a lot when of you pressure. look at all those factors you talked about, Brendan's got to be up there. You know who has zero pressure on them? Who's that? Anthony Pettis, who's in our co-main event. I... The and let me tell you why. He's the lone. So this is the lone fight that's not another Raider heavyweight, which yeah. Dominic has been just Love that. loving. Yeah. <laughs> so this is from last week's lightweight division. Yeah. And the reason why Anthony Pettis has nothing that's he has nothing to lose here, Dom. Even if he loses, is because he is still going to be number one no matter what. He wins or yeah. loses, I believe he holds on to that number one spot, which is. <sighs> Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that because you have a guy know, underneath him, Olivier Albin Mercier, who's two and zero, you who's know, t- who's two and zero, won two decisions. Yeah, but if Anthony Pettis loses, I'm pretty sure he remains number one going into the playoffs. So because of that, Dom, there's a lot of pressure on Stevie Ray, who is in need of a finish to put himself into the playoffs. Actually, right now, the biggest Anthony Pettis fan in the world is last season's winner. Uh, Rosh Manfio. Rosh Manfio had a pretty disappointing loss to Olivier Aubin Mercier last week. So he has four points right now. Stevie Ray lost his first round matchup. But Stevie Ray, if he's able to get a finish, I know it's through round two. And I believe part of round three, 
Yep. He can somehow Raj Manfield can go from being a huge breakout star with all this potential to all of a sudden being out of the playoffs the very yeah. next year. Uh, what a disappointing showing that would be. Even when you looked at the first round matchup he had where he he was able to knock out his opponent and mm-hmm. you know just an awesome knockout and just kind of show, man, this underdog, this guy just never loses. Yeah. And then he might be out of the playoffs. So, so much at stake here. Yeah. And I just love the dynamic of this matchup. Anthony Pettis, I saw you were kind of mm, eh, at the idea of he, him having nothing to lose. And I'm curious, do you think maybe – if you're maybe if you were a fly on the wall or if you were just someone in Anthony Pettis's camp right now or on his team, do you think he cares more about what a loss might mean for kind of this post UFC legacy he's trying to build? Or do you think that really he's just playing the numbers here and is like, well, I'm not going to kill myself for this fight because I know I still have a million dollars on the line later. Yeah, you're you're very right. I like that latter point where it's like, why take a risk? You know, potentially, who knows what can happen in a fight? But there's just something in me, man. Like, if Anthony Pettis loses this, he would be one in three in the PFL. Yes, he still gets in. It's great. He's still gonna get a one seed. I think with Noah said. I'm pretty great. sure it's one or two. Or like seed. tied for one because he's gonna have six yeah. points anyways. But like, I I don't know. There's just something that if he were to go out here and lose to Stevie Ray. Moved to one and three in the PFL, and then I, I I don't like that going into the playoffs too. Like the the mental side of the game, I just I feel like if I'm Anthony Pettis, if I'm him, I am wanting this run, this year, this season to be as flawless as possible. Because I know he's even mentioned he wants to even dabble with the 170 pound. We've already talked about this once because mm-hmm. I thought that's what he was doing this year because <laughs> he was on that damn card. Anyways. But if he wins it here, then he's got momentum going into 170 pounds next year. I just think, well, yes, he's still in, and it's all good. He's in the playoffs. There is still just that storyline there, that pressure for me to just, like, if he loses, it's not a good look. I think if I were him, I'd want to make a statement every mm-hmm. single fight this year. I don't know. We'll see. It's, it should be a fun fight, too, by the way. Yeah, I don't, know how much, I don't know how much he makes for, like, just – this fight alone. Like, I don't know because, right. you know, the PFL, there's got to be a lot of the pay goes into that million dollar. Yeah. Prize especially for end, like right? the lesser. That's got to be a lot of the incentive for yeah. these guys to take these kind con- just because the PFL, yes, they're under ESPN, but they're not, you know, it's not the UFC. It's right. maybe not even Bellator under Showtime, but it's, you know, in that ballpark, I guess. Um, so I don't know how much he'll be making. You know, I don't know how it compares to what he got paid in the UFC, you know, even post, title run and whatnot but um i just wonder like if i if you made me guess how much he's getting paid for this fight and i know this isn't our wheelhouse at all but i would probably guess it'd be like one hundred and fifty thousand. i was gonna say i get i bet he still makes six figures but i would but i would say probably no win bonus like i bet it'd be just 150 yeah somewhere around that which i'm not saying is you know we can have, you know, we can have the. And back we could be way off. Who knows? Yeah, we, but but, I'm, like, but what I'm trying to say is, is I I feel like there may be a significant enough discrepancy to where eyes on the prize, that million dollar prize has got to be for yeah. a guy like Pettis, who has been literally the Wheaties box guy, yeah, the, the former UFC champion. He has been at the pinnacle of the sport. He has been one of the biggest stars in the sport. Yeah. Like, 
how worried is he really about his legacy at this point? Like to him, you know, is it kind of peanuts for him to be like, okay, well, he's one in three in the PFL, but does it really matter to him? I don't know. I'm just kind of asking because I see where you're getting at, and I think that's a great point. But I don't know. We this, this is the psyche of a fighter that we don't know. Yeah, very that we're, true. We're, that we're trying to evaluate here. Um, I could see it either way. I could see him really taking this fight kind of easy. Maybe he gets caught in doing so. Stevie Ray sneaks in the playoffs. Or I could see him just basically being like, I'll play, you know, basically kind of run from him for the fight and just kind of, you know, not really engage. Yeah. Yeah. Just let, you know, Stevie Ray take a point decision and be like, whatever. Who cares about the records in the PFL? He's like, I'm a former UFC champion. I'm a former, like, star. I'm going to go win that million dollars. That's really what matters here, the longevity to to really make it there. You don't want to go for broke here to prove a point. And then all of a sudden you're injured and you can't even compete for that million dollars. You know, it's just, that's just, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not saying that that's what I hope happens. I hope we get an awesome fight or I hope at least someone gets an awesome finish or something, but it's reasonable to consider those, to weigh those options, you know? Yeah, I agree. If you're listening, let us know. I want to know who everybody's looking forward to the most at this this week's PFL. A lot on the line, man. This is the playoff. We didn't even even mention the main event. Bruno Capaloza taking on Matthias Scheffel, I believe is how it's pronounced. Bruno back in the main event, man. Bruno's fucking tank, man. Yeah, dude. Hey, we we are Bruno stands. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm thinking it's funny how since we've become Bruno stands, now there's that song from that Disney movie. The let's talk about Bruno or whatever, you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, I haven't heard it, but you can sing it to me anytime. No, I don't know the words, but it was like being on the radio. Okay. okay. I just remember every time it comes on the radio when I'm home, because I don't listen to the radio when I'm here. My mom's like, oh my God, turn this fucking song off. <laughs> and Noah's like, it. Bruno, yeah. No, I, I, it's, I forget the Disney movie too. People are probably like screaming at us right now for yeah. not knowing this. But anyways, let's move on, Dominic. I've changed the name of this little section I here. I saw, and I like it. Let's get into some tidbits. Tidbits. <laughs> tidbits. I tried to think of something cooler, man. I was trying to think of like a little fight, something, something. But, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it, man. We're tidbits. below average tidbits. Yeah, there you go. Pizza, pizza. Anyways. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The way you said tidbits kind of reminded me of that. Oh, yeah. So, Dominic, did you see this video on Twitter going around of Darren Wynn? Uh, within just a few, <laughs> a day or so of his pretty destructive loss to Phil Halls, providing some commentary from that fight. Did you happen to see this video going Dude, around? Dude, I saw it going around, but I didn't get to listen to it. You have to fill oh, me in. No way. I saw, a lot of people were praising him too. Like we're yeah, loving you should, it. You should, I mean, it's it only, probably something I would like. I only, at least the video I saw was only like a minute long or so. Yeah. So it's not like a very long, it's not the whole fight or anything. Yeah. I wouldn't say you missed like a ton. I mean, it's kind of, I kind of just threw it on here just for shits and gigs, you know, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but it, it was very, it was very self-aware of how the fight went for him. And, um, you know, he, I, I would recommend you go watch it after yeah. this. I'm actually kind of disappointed. You saw it on the script and didn't watch it. What I'm the hell? I'm disappointed. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. No, but it, it was like, um, He's like, and here he's elbowing me for the four thousandth time and stuff. And stuff Dude, like that, what you know? all that I'm envisioning is that legendary gaming clip where the guy 
is doing Madden, and he's with uh, is it Greg Jennings? Are you talking about Darren Sharper? Darren Sharper, the hardest hit safety in the league, dude. Yes, that is what this is reminding me. He broke his fucking leg. He put the team on his back. Yes, that is the video that I'm thinking in my head. Hilarious video. You really shouldn't be thinking that at all because it is nowhere near that. Like it's not that is not what this video is. Oh, it's kind of just honestly credit to Darren Wynn for having a sense of humor about the whole thing. You know, he took a beating. Bad. And then within two days of losing like that, was able to kind of go on there and he speaks very clearly, just have fun with it. Cracking yeah. some jokes at his expense. Yeah. But you know, there was like that moment where He's like, I start. He's like, I'm trying to make it dirty. He's like, I'm. He's like, fuck you. I'm gonna elbow you back and stuff like that. And he goes, and then he goes for the takedown, and I sprawl like a motherfucker, like <laughs> stuff like that. So it's uh, it's pretty funny. I would recommend checking it out. I will. Um, I will. Dominic obviously didn't come prepared for work, but not one bit. <laughs> Last but, one. This is the more important one. I hope you came prepared for this, Dom. As much as I hate being prepared for it, yes, I am. <laughs> It would not be tidbits for the first time without <laughs> talking about a little Jake Paul. Oh, boy. Which I guess he really isn't the focus of this thing. True. But I, I just had to throw the name out there for the clicks, you know? Yeah, of course. So, Dominic, we have ourselves a situation. A little bit. A little bit. A uh, Code 9. Code Red. Code Red is what I'm going to call this. Uh, Nate Diaz... Every time we talk about him, it's sort of we go back and forth on if we're kind of pessimistic or optimistic. Is the fight with Poirier going to happen? Are they going to force him to fight Hamza? Is Nate even going to fight? Is he just, you know, is the UFC holding him out for a Connor fight down the line? I mean, what's going on? It's like uh, it it feels like Nate's tweeting for his release every week. He's pissing on the Apex or the PI, whatever. It's getting very bizarre. It's uncomfortable. And then I think we hit. Another snag. Another snag in the road was hit here because there had been some rumors floating around that Nate and the UFC were coming close to terms on something, some sort of fight or something. And I only know that because I could tell Ariel Hawani, um, he never said that there like, but when asked about it on, like, I believe it was his, you know, um, on the nose. Ringer, Ringer MMA show, oh. but also, yes, on the MMA Hour. Um, he would just kind of say, like, look, there's some something in the works. I'm not going to talk about it because, you know, he admitted this has happened before with Nate and the UFC, and then it's kind of fallen on their face. Fallen, you know, just hasn't worked out. Yeah. So I haven't heard if he's had anything to say about it since all this has came out yesterday, but... My guess would be whatever plans were going down, it doesn't seem like that's really the direction we're heading now. Dana did a little scrum with the Salt Lake City, uh, the great city of Salt Lake. Um, like, we have to go to Utah. <laughs> nothing bad ever happens in Utah, Dom. That's right. He did a little scrum there. He was kind of welcoming, you know, the the jazz, I think it's the owner, uh, was welcoming him to the city. And, you know, they were taught, basically, it was kind of a whole commercial for Salt Lake City, like just saying, like, hey, it's a destination, not a flyover state now, and blah, blah, blah. Well, then Dana does this 10 minute interview with the Mac Life. Uh, great. That guy's one of the best. He's good. Interviews. Oscar, is that his name? Oscar Willis, I think. Yeah. 
And there was kind of a big... It's, it didn't reveal much, but it also revealed a lot about the situation because Dana was much more coy about the... He was much more open about it than he had been previously. Yeah. Every time before, he would maybe act like he didn't know what Nate was talking about on Twitter and whatnot. Where he's like, I'll but get him like, a fight. He's like, we have to get him a fight. I'll yeah. get him a fight. Here, he did kind of say that, but he also said, like, he's like, look, Nate's won one fight in the last five years. He said he probably should go box Jake Paul. And I'm oh, like, oh, I went, huh? Oh, what? Oh. I was like, Dana, Dana, what did you what did you just do? Oh, it's a whole can of worms. It's like, oh, and I and I and I and I know like Dana's probably so pissed that they <laughs> that quote blew up. Too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um But Nate took that and kind of ran with it. There was multiple tweets referencing him. He, for the first time in for a long in a long time, he finally is kind of re- referencing the Jake Paul fight because we really weren't sure where he stood on that. Yeah, he posted a, the the clip Oof. of uh, <laughs> poor Tyron Woodley getting knocked out by Jake Paul and uh, basically requesting his release, yeah. asking to go fight him. He's like, I got bigger things to take care of or whatever. And then after this clip with Dana goes viral, Nate says, fine, release me, and puts, like, an emoji of a blonde-haired guy um, in a boxing glove, Jake Paul, you know. Yeah. So, Dominic, we have ourselves a little bit of a mess here, and I'm curious, um, what's what's going on? Where did we go wrong? Yeah, well, my, my question is, what's going to end up happening here? The MMA. That's a That's a loaded question, ain't it? Yeah. The MMA fan, diehard fan in me is like, oh, it's all going to pass. It's just a phase. They're going to get him a fight. It's going to be huge, you know. He's going to fight Jorge again. He's going to fight Connor. He's going to fight Dustin. (laughs) Damn it. That's the fight that got away. But seriously, like, I don't know. I can't see a world where the UFC, one, allows Nate Diaz to go fight Jake Paul whilst under contract. And then the second scenario, I can't see a world where the UFC actually does release Nate Diaz. So I feel like still at the end of the day, this is all just a bunch of poking and jabbing and a lot of frustration. A lot of games. Nate wants a fight, man, and he's trying to leverage it to the public and let the fans see his frustration. Riot. Get mad at the UFC. Bitch about it. All that. Get mad. Dana's like, we're trying. You guys don't understand what's going on in the back end type deal. I think it's a lot of that. A lot of jibber-jawing, but there is so much more going on behind the scenes that we don't see, even after this kind of mess that happened this weekend. I still think, by the end of the year, Nate Diaz is in that octagon. I do. I don't see a boxing fight with Jake Paul, again, while he's under contract with the UFC for sure. Maybe if he fights one more time and he's done, maybe we do see that. But right now, I think we see a fight by the end of the year. I do. Truthfully. I mean, what are, but the, but this is yeah. That's the thing, Dom is like. Well, what's the alternative? Because like, just, yeah. they have to offer him a fight. Like the he's under, like, can you see them releasing Nate Diaz? Like honestly, that's why I think that's that's the alternative, and I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I can't see it. I can't see it. They, there's no way that they let that guy walk free. No way. No way. That'd be crazy. That would be one of the biggest. He is like, worth. He is. Of a he is worth all of this. By the way. Yes. Yes. And I think they know that. I mean, Dana, you know, he, for his credit, he's not necessarily criticizing anything about Nate Diaz outside of the fact that he's kind of 
I mean, he is kind of putting him on the same level of like Cowboy Cerrone at this point and stuff. Which, but like, if you put Nate on a card, he's gonna do one of your top three best reviews of the year. That's how it is. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. So, so Dana can downplay so, it all he wants. I mean, Dominic, do you remember? I think when did we? I want to say around the time that we went to Columbus, and maybe it was a bit after that. We we talked about Nate one of the many times we've talked about this situation. And I think the question you posed was, Do we see a fight announcement by the end of April? And we both I remember were like, that. Ooh, uh. that was I think a we both we out. both said no to our yeah. credit. But it was a struggle. And now here, and we, here are, we are end of June. End of June. Nothing. I just don't understand what's going what on what is happening have we seen anything like this before there's got to be a fight coming and i, I think, think so. a lot of signs point to hamzat chamaya being oh, in that fight gosh because i i just i nate is definitely playing a game here he is trying oh yeah because the ufc i think as much as i god am i really gonna admit this am i gonna admit this uh-oh I have been kind of the one that wouldn't admit this, and now I feel like I'm about to admit something I don't want to admit. It feels like the UFC are really not wanting Nate Diaz to go box Jake Paul. Like, I think that they seem a bit, not scared of it, because, like, what's it really? Oh, I really see where you're going now. Okay, I got you. I got you. No, I'm not saying they're scared. No, don't, don't, don't do that. All right, continue. Hold on. I saw some lights flashing in there. I don't know what's going on. Spooky. Might be a cop out there. I don't know. Uh-oh. What I'm saying is... Ease back in. <laughs> that I feel like the UFC don't want that fight to happen. I don't know how else to say it. Like, I'm not going to say they're scared of Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz. Because, again, why would they be? They're so big and, you know, they, they don't really have anything to fear there. But... A part, it, feel, it feels like they really don't want that fight to happen. If you're the UFC. Because, okay, because well, think about it like this. Nate Diaz has one fight left. So this is where this whole tug of war is happening, right? Yeah. Nate Diaz wants to have a fight. Against anybody, apparently. And then wants to bounce. Wants yeah. to move on. Yeah. The UFC is like... Either Please don't. First, they, first they're like, that's fine. But you're going to fight Hamza Chimaev. But if that's not fine, then we'll give you a Dustin Poirier, but you're going to sign a three-fight contract. Right, right. Nate Diaz isn't going to leave to go headline a Bellator card. No, no, absolutely not. He will not fight for a BFL or Bellator, no. No, not at all. So the only competitive at, at all thing that he could go do is box someone like Jake Paul. Yeah. And the UFC, for whatever reason... And I, I, I don't know if it's like a pride thing. Like, again, Jake Paul knocked out Ben Askren. He knocks out Tyron Woodley. If he were to knock out Nate Diaz, like, oh, you know, it's – I don't know if they're trying to nip this thing in the butt, like really stop or hold out a lot of these fighters that could find themselves on the receiving end of that from yeah. doing that. It They definitely seem to be – Something's going on there. You think that's kind of the whole reason Dane even said that then? Just like to put it off as like, well, oh, like I don't give a shit. But like, like deep he, down. But saying like, like he should go bog. Yeah, but he's like, fuck no, he shouldn't. Like, I don't want that. 
I think he's saying, well, I think what he was doing there is he's trying to undervalue Nate Diaz. Well, okay, yes, he is. You're right. Because it's a game, right? You know, this yeah. is a negotiation tactic. So he's like, well, he's won one fight in the last five years. And when he's saying he should go box Jake Paul, he's saying Nate Diaz is the kind of guy that Jake Paul boxes, which Dana said is like guys that are not as big as him, that are yep. old, yep. past their prime, not You're good right. boxers. That's what he said about Tyron Woodley, Ben Askren. That's what he's saying there. Yeah. So it is undervaluing Nate Diaz in a sense, but um, something's got to give. Either he's going to get a fight, and it's probably going to be against Hamza, mm-hmm. or he's going to get cut. I mean, I don't know what else, to, what else is there to do. I feel like I can name five other fights I'd rather Nate have than fight Hamza. Let's talk about one of them. <laughs> Let's do that. Because I I hate that this became the big story because I was so prepared to come on here and advocate for Nate Diaz versus Kevin Holland. Well, I'm glad we can finish this point with this then. Nate Diaz versus Kevin Holland is one of the best fights I had never even thought about. And then, now why, to the people that don't know, why are you saying this? What happened? So, okay, Kevin Holland, recent addition to the welterweight division. Yep. Solid run at middleweight, kind of fizzled out because he was undersized. Right. He's an exciting fighter. Got Very. an exciting fight style. He likes to stand and, and bang. Personality but on a, another level. Personality at a 10. The yep. shit talk at a 10. Yeah. Fireworks with Nate Diaz. Yeah, who knows what the fight would even turn out to be? I mean, who knows how good the fight might It might Maybe the fight wouldn't even be that great. Maybe it'd be quick. Maybe Kevin Holland starches it. Maybe Nate Diaz just kind of finds a way to get a submission victory or something over Kevin. Who knows? But it's a sick fight. It's a sick build-up to a fight. Yeah. And for Nate Diaz, if you're not going to do Dustin Poirier, you're not going to do like a Tony Ferguson, this is the fight. I think it's a sweet, sweet fight. And it makes and sense. It, it makes a lot of sense for Kevin Holland, obviously, because I'm not sure if Kevin Holland like, – he called for like a Sean Brady, which Sean Brady said he would take that fight, but apparently he has a matchup he's about to get announced for is what Ooh, he said. I'm intrigued. So, yeah, I'm very intrigued on that. But, you know, Kevin Holland probably should be fighting the top 15 next. But also, like, he's kind of one of those guys now that... Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, I could see him fighting not a guy in the top 15. Just because, you know, he he is the A-side in a lot of these fights he's taken right oh, now. Oh, yeah. You know? He wouldn't be with Diaz, but you get the biggest payday of your career. Yep. It feels like a very competitive bout on paper. Like, as good as Kevin Holland is, I think Nate Diaz would... I mean, I... I, I you might favor Kevin Holland, but Nate Diaz, man. I mean, I think he could really give him a good fight there. I agree. I agree. So I, I hate – so I, Kevin Holland basically – because I think Nate Diaz's tweet was like, give me a fight with anybody. Yeah. And then <laughs> Kevin Holland changed his name on Twitter to anybody for Nate Diaz or I'm anybody yeah. for Nate Diaz. Quote tweeted it. That ever. was originally the the name of this the, – the, the title of this section. Yeah. But, you know, shit changed. Right. Um. That I never had even considered that fight, and now I want it so bad. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a phenomenal fight. You want to talk about fan-friendly in every sense of the yeah. word. There's not so a fight true. fan I know that wouldn't be excited for that. It makes oh, sense so for both true. guys. It just seemed, it, it seems so easy, doesn't it? Just saying it. But I mean, how realistic would that even be? If, 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 if we're, all, we're, we're kind of operating under this fleeting assumption that Nate Diaz is going to get a fight, I mean, what is the most realistic fight for him to get right now? Is it Hamza Chimaev? Is that the is that the is that the number one like 
Dude, like from the That's UFC, gotta be, right? If the UFC's point is to give someone an idea that they can build upon by beating him, Hamzat doesn't need that anymore. I, I know. I he know. doesn't need that. You know who needs that? Kevin <laughs> fucking Holland would I agree. need that and could benefit so much from that. But I think what we're what we're kind of ignoring or choosing to ignore here is that matchup's not being made to build up Hamzat. It's being made to tear down Nate Diaz. All right. Yeah, you're right. And I, I hate Ooh, to say a, that. That's a quote right there. I got to pull that. Ooh, and I gosh. hate to say that because, you know, I, I, I don't love, you know, we love the UFC. We love, I don't like this petty, vindictive kind yep. of bullshit. Yeah. But it's a reality. I mean, you've seen it in their past, and no doubt it's probably still an element. In this is just so public dealings. now. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm glad we could at least end on a somewhat uh, positive note there. Call Big I'm Mouth, actually, baby. The reason why I'm kind of looking away, I'm actually pulling up Bellator 282's card so I could have some stats in front of me for their uh, undercard. But well, that's coming in a little bit. Fight announcements. We do have one. Just one. Heavyweight division, UFC 278, August 20th. You Marcin Tybura taking on Alexander Romanov. So Romanov... Uh. He's kind of the, he's the heavy of this heavyweight division. He is the the uh, I mean he's the shining star, the one that's on the come up right now. Marcin Tibera had a great bounce back in 2020. He was on our finalist for the comeback fighter of the year for that. Yep. Kind of an under the radar pick, but I, I stand much. by it. Um, since then, he's kind of came back down to earth. You know, he's still ranked in the top ten, I think, deservedly so. But this feels like a fight that Romanov should win pretty, pretty handedly. Yeah, they're they're ready to put him in there, huh? That's what this one feels like. I to will me. say though that the one knock that I've had on Romanov this entire time was that cardio we saw when he fought uh, Juan Espino. I finally got the name right, Espino, who had won the Ultimate Fighter uh, yeah. just a couple years ago. Um, as I believe Romanov got a DQ victory because he essentially gassed to zero in the third round and Espino was really taken over, but then I think a nut shot kind of ended things. There may have been some words shared from some people online about maybe Romanov kind of quitting because mm-hmm. he was tired. I, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying that that was the image that some people had of that fight. Regardless, besides that, Romanov's looked like an absolute tank. And but, he's just cut down. Tybura is pretty good at weathering storms and kind yeah. of hanging in there in the later runs. I thought against Greg Hardy and guys like that. So I still lean Romanov pretty heavy, but um, it's a it's a it's a good matchmaking. Yeah, a proper next step. Yeah, and I did see Dana was talking about this is that card in Salt Lake City, by the way. And uh, when Dana was talking about the fights on the card, he mentioned Paulo Costa and uh, Luke oh, Rockhold, Luke. and I said, Dana, come on, man. Stop lying to yourself. It ain't happening. Stop lying to yourself. That fight ain't happening. Yeah. There is there is a better chance that Nate Diaz fights Jake Paul in the UFC Whoa. than that fight goes down on August 20th between Paulo Costa and Luke Rockhold. Well, this will be saved. Just... <laughs> yeah. <this> is, <laughs> we can't wait for it to be fight of the year at the Joey's. Yes, yes. Uh, All right. Moving on from that, let's get into the rest, Dom. We do have some more fights to talk about here. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Let's start with probably the most under-the-radar fight on this card. Umar Namagamadov, a name that uh, 
immediately strikes fear into the hearts of many. And the odds he, say so. He comes in. What's the what's the odds up to now for him? I have he, it on here. He is a minus nine hundred. Mate, uh, Nate is on the comeback plus six twenty five. <laughs> okay. See, I I made this sheet out yesterday. He was a minus eight fifty at the time. So climbing, yep. by the way. It's fucking nuts. Uh, fourteen and zero. Martin Montemayo taking on fourteen and one. Nate Manis in this uh, bantamweight division that is again just it's a competition. I mean th- these these three weight classes when you go from bantamweight, featherweight, lightweight. Yep, they're just far and above. They're, the, each division has like an advantage over the other two, but they're not all the same. Yes, parts of the rankings and not rankings. You know what I mean? Yes. And here, like, I mean, for Bantamweight, such great prospects that are being built up right now. And these two guys, I'm saying both of them are included in that. Now, Nurmagomedov does have the shine. He has the lineage. He is a deserved favorite in this matchup. He's looked fantastic in the UFC. Brian Kelleher, first-round submission in his last outing, had a submission over Sergey Morozov, also on this card. A great striker. Who was favored to beat Raleigh and Paiva, who was a top 15 bantamweight at one time. So that kind of shows you, you know, the kind of talent we're dealing with here. But Dominic, when I saw Nate Manis being the plus 625. Disrespect. Yes, that's what it is. I understand why. (laughs) It's like it's hard for me to like sit here and advocate the opposite because I'm leaning Nurmagomedov for sure. Yeah. For sure. Because these guys both pride themselves on being extraordinary grapplers. Oh, um, man. Nurmagomedov, the wrestling. Yeah. Nate Manis has got exceptional just, I mean, ground game skills as well. Super underrated fighter. Yeah. And honestly, Nate Manis also kind of more well-rounded than people think. He's got actually more wins via KOTKO than submission, by the way. Just putting that out there. But I digress. It's a grappler's dream, this fight. Yes. But to me, like, Nate Manis is not this big of an underdog. There's no, no way. There's just no way that you can tell me that. Th- these type of odds means he's not even going to land a punch. That's what yeah. these odds mean. And for all I know, that is how it's going to go. I mean, maybe maybe Umar decides to pull up. He decides to, 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 to do the same thing that Islam did to Bobby Green or something. And yeah, like, yeah. It's like, well, shit, I was wrong about that. <laughs> But I just really don't think that's the way this fight's going to go. I could see one of the, I could see Nurmagomedov for sure dominating this fight, but that would say so much about where Nurmagomedov is at this point. Based off of what we've seen from these two at this point, there's not that big of a discrepancy. Nate Manis, we've actually seen Nate Manis battle back. His last outing was a comeback win against Tony Gravely. Yep. One he nearly got finished in the first round. And Tony Gravely, a hard puncher. Very. Saw the knockout win he had a couple weeks ago. Nate Mann is hung in there. He battled back. He had the much better cardio. Was able to secure the takedowns and get the TKO victory in round two. He looked phenomenal in battling back after being nearly finished. Yes, you say nearly finished. like That's kind of a doubt. You don't want that. But outside of that, like, yes, some of these names aren't really going to stick out. You know, Luke Sanders, Johnny Munoz, who just fought a couple weeks ago as well. But not, like, great names outside of that. But, I mean, the Tony Gravely one said a lot to me about kind of where he is and, like, what he can battle through. Umar Nurmagomedov's never really had to face that. Now, that does say a lot to his credit that he's just, I mean, seven submissions in his 14 victories – 
Uh, this guy literally is submitting you, or he's winning a decision where he takes you into deep waters and drowns you. That's yes. that's that's what he does, and that could very well be what we get here. But I'll be damned if I'm going to be the one who who just willy nilly lets this slide. These odds makers here and yeah. really disrespecting the talent of Nate Manis. Couldn't have said it better, my friend. <laughs> well, I like that. I like the sound of that. It's a, a mic drop moment right there. Also on this card. OH. IO. Chris Curtis. He should have been on the Columbus card. Damn it. But instead, he's here at the Apex and he's taking on Hadolfo Vieira. Uh-oh. Perhaps the guy that Dominic has uh um what's the what's the word? Uh what's the word when why am I blanking on my betting terms now? The when you do the opposite of what Faded. like Perhaps the fighter that Dominic has faded the most uh, to this point is Hadolfo Vieira. This is true. Because <laughs> Hadolfo Vieira, Brazilian jiu-jitsu ace. World guy champion. is fantastic. 8-1 yeah. in his MMA career. He's got seven wins via uh, submission. Chris Curtis, 28-8 in his career. This guy has fought anywhere and everywhere. But what's been most impressive is this UFC run. He's 2-0. Two short notice fights against yeah. top opponents and Phil yeah. Halls and Brendan Allen, and he finished both of them. He won our newcomer of the year, right? Last year? Yes, he did. Yes, yeah. he did. Yeah. This is a guy who had fought in the PFL. I yep. believe had an under I don't even think he had a great record in the PFL. Like this guy, I believe he's even fought he might have fought for Bellator at one point. Like yeah, this, he... Chris Curtis has fought anywhere and everywhere. This guy's retired two or three times. I mean, yep. his story's incredible. But if you go off of what we've seen in the UFC, he doesn't look to be slowing down at all. This doesn't look no. just to be some swan song run. It could be. Maybe the next time he loses, he's like, hey, I did what I wanted to do. I'm hanging him up. But until I hear those words, I think this guy just, he doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. And Hadolfo Vieira has just not figured it out in the UFC. Yeah. He, I mean, this guy got submitted by Anthony Hernandez. And I, Anthony Hernandez is a good fighter. I've never but, seen someone gas so hard in my life. It was, I think that I think that's the loss. Like what I talk about with Romanov and the the, the Spino yeah. fight. That's your Romanov and Spino yeah. fight. Is yeah. the Vieira Hernandez fight? He's looked great outside of that. He got nothing but finishes in the UFC. Mm-hmm. But that loss is a sticking point. And have, where have the improvements really be, been made? Yes, he got the submission win after that against Dustin Stoltzfist, but this is. Chris Curtis is better than Anthony Hernandez. Yes. This is by far the best fighter he's fought up to this point. And, and I'm so not sure experienced. I just don't know if he's ready for this step up. To, to the credit of him, though, Chris Curtis, only two, one submission victory in his career and does yeah. have one submission loss. So this guy really does avoid the ground pretty well. Yeah. That's going to be the battle here. Can he avoid the ground with Adolfo Vieira? If this fight stays standing for any amount of time, any extended amount of time, I think it's a tough night for Adolfo. 100%. After Curtis's explosion in the UFC last year, 2-0, Phil Halls, damn it, I keep calling him Phil, Phil Halls and then Brendan Allen knocked them both out short notice, as Noah said. I thought he was ready for top 15. I felt they should have gave him top 15. But I like this matchup because Vieira is a totally different matchup than those two guys in the UFC. He's like, well, before we give you a number next to your name, how about we test you? Can you keep this fight standing against a jiu-jitsu ace if he does? And passes that test, got to give him a ranking next. <clears throat> Honestly, the winner of this should get a ranked fighter. But I do like the thought process behind this matchup. Just hope Curtis can show out for uh, the good old state of Ohio. Mm-hmm. 
Following that, Bellator 282. We got a couple more fights to talk about from there. Some more Bantamweight Grand Prix matchups going to be resolved here. I believe these are quarterfinal matchups. I feel like they turned this around so quick because these are the guys that fought in those like play-in. Yes. Uh, so, so I believe uh, here's the quarterfinal. So we're down to um, eight fighters. Yeah. Like, yes, eight yep. fighters. So these are two, our first two, no, our last two quarterfinal matchups because we already saw uh, – Horaguchi fought and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I forget all the other ones, dude. They haven't had a card in forever. Spare yeah, us, guys, please. please. I'm, I'm sorry. I, Spare us. But they, this is our last two quarterfinal matchups. I'm glad it's it's clearing up in my brain. The cobwebs are clearing out. Yeah, Bellator's yeah. back. So we see Leandro Higo taking on Danny Savatello. Dominic, oh man, Danny Savatello is a name to watch out for, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And dare I say. This guy is a dark horse to win this whole thing. And actually, if he does, Bellator better strap the rocket to this guy. All that time they spent not promoting their events. Put all that money that you wasted and put it into promoting Danny Sabatello. This guy is the real deal. He fights hard. He's got a great skill set. And he's got the talk to back it up. He is the kind of homegrown star that Bellator should really be putting out there to the fans 100 the dude's won six in a row he was on the contender series in november 2020 uh, and even won a that. fight there so yeah, obviously no contract earned but now he's here in the uh bellator he's in the grand prix he was in that play-in he was a underdog going into that fight and now all of a sudden after a dominant performance he's a minus 520 favorite my how the turn tables because he's going up against leandro higo this is a great matchup i think it's two super well-rounded guys obviously though Sabatello and Ace on the ground. He go 12 submissions of his own. This could be a grapple fest. It could be very fun to watch with mm-hmm. all the transitions. And if they scrap on the feet, let's see what they're made of. Leandro Higo, three-fight win streak, by the way. But that yep. win streak dates back to 2019. He's literally had one fight each calendar year. Yeah. So the activities slipped off a little bit. He's still only 33 years old. He has win. His last win was Darian Caldwell, which is a split decision. But yeah. A hard-earned victory there. Ricky Bayham de Haas was another win, a submission victory over him. That's a good win. So he's got good wins on here. He did have a TKO loss to Aaron Pico back in the day, to Darian Caldwell before that. Um, but, you know, he's he's been a mainstay in Bellator, Higo. So I do think it's a – I like the matchup for sure. I don't know if it's going to be the most exciting fight in the world. Yeah. But um, I'm very intrigued. Because I do think very highly of Sabatello, but he goes pretty proven at this point. Yeah, yeah, very. Following that, mm. talk about another Dagestani great, Magomed Magomedov yes. taking on Enrique Barzola. Dominic, what kind of chances do you give Enrique Barzola here? He's ranked number 10 in the, in the rankings, while Magomedov number 4. You know, Mag- Magomedov literally... The guy, he he has two losses in his professional career. One of them was to Rafael Stotts, who just won the interim belt in his first matchup in the Grand Prix. His other loss, Peter Jan, former yes. UFC Bantamweight champion. So that just shows you how good Magomed Magomedov is. What kind of chances do you give someone like Enrique Barzola here? 
I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for him to win this fight. Really? I, I don't. I, so. I don't. I think um I think while Magomed is obviously the favorite for a reason, only you know, nothing crazy. Minus one fifty five, I think, is what he came in at. Really? Which that's is, it. Yeah. And I think it maybe some of that's because of the Hafeon Stas fight. It didn't look great for him. It was kind of a dull fight. It wasn't anything great. But Barzola, man, he's undefeated in the Bellator two and zero. Has a good record, eighteen and five. He likes to finish fights. Uh, he was in the UFC as well. Had a solid record there, six three and one. So I'm not ruling him out. I think it's possible. But man, if Magomed can get a hold of him, ride that backpack, throw him all around the cage, that's when the problems can happen. Because if he does that in round one like gets it early then it's just going to be a snowball effect i think barzola has to come out strong and really set a tone set a pace in the first round or then it could be a landslide yeah um also on this main card i didn't put it on our list but i just wanted to mention that irish brennan ward is back uh brennan yep. ward man last time out like it was his first fight back he had had just that tumultuous you know, last few years after once being such a promising young fighter for Bellator, he came back and got a big win. And now he's back here taking on Cassius Kane. I don't know, you know, I don't know what Brennan Ward's like. I don't know what is this just kind of a um, feel good little run we're getting here, or is he really going to commit to, you know, making a real run, like going for a title type thing. I don't know what we're really getting, but it's good to see him back and really does fill out this card nicely. Mm-hmm. And then the last fight, Dominic, I just wanted to throw it out there. Kat Zingano back. Women's featherweight division taking on Pam Sorensen. Yep. Kat Zingano deep on the prelims, Dom. <sighs> we thought she should be fighting Chris Cyborg for a title. I don't Instead, get it. Here she is. Um, your thoughts? I just don't get it. I don't understand. She's 2-0 in Bellator. Won both of her fights. Nothing crazy, but nothing like too razor thin or where she didn't look good. I thought she looked solid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's ranked number two in the division. She's a fresh matchup for the champion, Chris Cyborg, let alone their two pioneers of women's mixed martial arts that have never fought each other. And you're not going to make that? Who Who doesn't love Kat Zingano? Yeah. I, I don't. I just don't get why Bellator doesn't want to give her a title fight. We we felt that she earned it a year ago, <laughs> but now here we are, and she's fighting number six, Pam Swanson. Well, What's like, this win do? And you know, Dominic, we we understand like this in this division, like earning a title fight, like it's not the same as earning two and zero is enough for Casingano. Yes, yes, I agree. And instead, they're talking about running back Chris Cyborg with. Um, that uh, the Irish uh, fucked her knee up real bad. Uh, Sinead Cavanaugh. Sinead Cavanaugh. Thank you. So definitely doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I don't that get you run it. That fight. Like, I, don't, I don't get it. But you got to think if Zingano could come in here and get a big one, maybe get a finish. It's got to open somebody's eyes over there. It's got to, right? And if she loses, it's just like, well, <laughs> well if she loses, then it's like, well, we look stupid then. Well, okay, man, maybe we do look stupid, but <laughs> two, like if you're Bellator, if she loses, are you like, ah, oh, damn it? Maybe we should have at least gave. If, her the if she loses, we look stupid, and Bellator looks stupid because they should have there taken advantage of that fight when they had the chance, even if she would have got smashed. You know, perfect. Yeah. All right, let's get to the betting side, the below-average bet slip, if you will. Ooh, I forgot it was time. Give me a second here. <laughs> no PFL, no Bellator for this one. 
we're sticking to our guns right now, guys. We just had a good bounce back week last week. So we're still, uh, you know, we're, we're not getting overzealous. We're not getting overconfident after one good week. Yep. We're just trying to make it a run now. Don't let the Joes get hot because when That's that right. happens, things are a little scary. So uh, Ooh, I'm excited. We'll just go from top to bottom on this list. Damn, that poster looks clean, huh? I like poster that. poster looks okay. It looks okay. I'm, I, I'm I, like, I kind of fuck with like the I, cartoon I, look. Is that... <laughs> You think it's a cartoon? A little look? cartoony, like it's realistic pictures, but I don't know. You know, I'm a, I'm a little confused. Like the some of the things on the poster are kind of confused. Like I like the way the fighters look. Yeah, like, they look a little glossy. Yeah, uh, maybe that's what you're thinking. Cartoony, cartoony. <laughs> but like the blue behind them, like why why kinda is the random. blue why is the black why is the blue get cut off and then it's black? Like what's what's going on there? Good point. Is that a window? Like I, I'm I'm confused. Good Anyways. Point. We have some weird unit sizes here. 2.35 units. Me and Dominic, we both are in. On Chris Curtis Moneyline, I put it 1.35 in order to win one. Dominic putting a single unit down. Chris Curtis minus 135. We kind of already said it, Dom, but um, the longer this fight stays standing, you heavily favor Chris Curtis. Yes. Uh, he's basically made an entire career out of avoiding submissions he only has one submission win and he only has one submission loss so um, not a guy that takes the fight to the ground very often uh Rodolfo Vieira just has yet to seem really confident or comfortable in MMA and in the UFC so I just I don't have much hope for him here in his toughest fight to date I still don't think the jitters of that Anthony Hernandez might have worn off yeah, just one more thing to add before we move on because we've said it a lot already, but I do think while the knockout is obviously in play for Curtis as long as it's on the feet, you got to think is just the longer the fight goes in general, you can lean for a decision victory for Chris Curtis as well. I just think there's more past the victory, a knockout sure. or a decision, whereas for Vieira, or um, if he doesn't get it on the ground, <clears throat> it's probably chalk toward him, So Very true, very true. I also followed that up with another money line play. 1.1 units on Carlos Alberg at minus 110. Uh, he is fighting Tafan and Chukwi, two guys who came in with a little bit of hype and both sort of underperformed up to this point. Um, I would say Tafan and Chukwi has looked a little bit worse. You know, for, for Olberg, he got a solid win his last time out. It was kind of a safe win. Everybody knows before that he had that fight. Um, oh, I forget who he was fighting. It's that... Kennedy and Chukwani? Yes, thank you, man. Man, you said that very fast. Kennedy, you were like, you said that like you had to, you had to get it out, or in two seconds, or you were gonna die. Forget yeah. Kennedy and Jaguani. <laughs> that was very good. Very I almost good. just pissed myself. Anyway, like, I, like you almost, I think you were just like you had that ready in case I asked about Kennedy and Jaguani the whole night. You're like Kennedy and Jaguani. <laughs> so. <laughs> Him. <laughs> Shut up! I'm trying to save my fucking picks. Carlos Alberg. <laughs> they had a they had a fantastic war of a fight. Carlos Alberg uh, looked great early. Great striker. He's out of the city kickboxing group, so uh, trains with like Israel Asanya and guys like that. Um, Unfortunately for him, Kennedy and Chekwani, uh, not Kennedy would say his name. 
He He was able to withstand the punches, withstand the punishment, and ultimately Albert kind of gassed himself trying to put him away. So then he came back and kind of knocked him the fuck out. It was bad. It was kind of a crazy knockout. That's what Kennedy Um, does. If he's down in a fight, you're probably fucked. And it's so weird, Dom. These guys, uh, Alberg and, and Chukwi, I believe both come in with, uh, they both have less than 10 fights professionally. It's kind of bizarre. They're barely over 10 combined. Yeah. like The, the, the sample size is very limited. But basically, what Alberg, when he's been on, has looked very good. Yes. He, his striking is very good. As long as he doesn't gas himself going for a finish. I think he'll be fine. Tafan and Chukwi has great power, which does scare me a little bit because, you know, Olberg a little chinny maybe. But I think the guys that Olberg trains with are much probably, I think they've prepared him probably very well for this kind of style matchup. Um, I just think Olberg, if this fight stays standing, I think Olberg is going to piece him, pick him apart. That's really how I view this. And Tafan and Chukwi been a bit underwhelming in the ufc so i, I don't yeah. have too much hope for him yeah it's an interesting fight um so vanessa demopolis <laughs> the dogs are barking because the dogs uh are barking. plus 220 and she's fighting Jin Yu fry and uh why <laughs> why 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 someone justify to me seriously reasonably why she is a plus 220 underdog. Is her opponent's last name really pronounced Fry? I think it's pronounced Fry, but it's spelled Frey, right? F-R-E-Y. I don't know why I don't know why it made me laugh. I think it's like Gen- Fry. French Fry. Like, <laughs> Listen. But okay, yes, yes, continue. I don't get it. If 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 uh, this fight to me is a pick'em fight. It's a 50-50 fight. Mm. So if I'm seeing someone at plus 220, I'm gonna take it. And then, like, yes, Jen's on a two-fight win streak, but they're so lackluster. Not much goes on. I think I was watching a breakdown of someone talking about her last two fights where she landed combined, like, 60 or 70 strikes between the two fights, barely outstruck her opponents to close decision victories. Vanessa Demopoulos, when she goes out there and is on, like Noah said previously with Carlos, she's on, man. She was down and got knocked down in that fight against... um, uh, Juarez Gomez, who just had that crazy knockout last week, mm-hmm. fought back and had that crazy submission win in the first round, jumped into Joe Rogan's lap after she won. I just think she's four years younger. She's just as good as Jen everywhere that the fight takes place. I think she's more willing to kind of get in there, make it scrappy, go for finishes. I just think there's more routes to victory. She takes more risk. And I think in a fight like this, taking a risk – pays off a little bit more so i'm going with that all day at plus 220 it could bite me bite me in the ass i get that but again if i see a 50 50 fight and you're giving me plus 220 i'm taking it all day and i'm going right here with vanessa demopolis i was a little surprised by the odds i don't remember too much about genu phrase really run which maybe that does say enough about that <laughs> she's two yeah. two in the ufc um, I know the name, but like you know, I, I I couldn't tell you much about any of the fights that I've seen with her. Vanessa, of course, had that big moment in her last fight. Um, Just better competition for her in general, too. Jen like, even Frey, if it losses, she Jenny Frey, thirty-seven years old, by the way, so yep. not not young. But I will say, Jenny Frey does have a five and a half inch reach advantage over mm-hmm. Vanessa, so that is pretty significant. But that isn't exactly Vanessa's game either, so. Right. I don't know. It it is a bit of a toss up fight. 
Yeah, you're right. I mean, even if you look at Vanessa, what she was doing before the UFC, she had losses to Lupe Godinez and Corey McKenna just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And LFA or uh, not uh, Cage Warrior. I, I Corey McKenna was on the Contender Series that she yeah. lost to her. And then her oh, UFC right, loss right. was J.J. Aldrich, and we saw the run that she was on. Yeah. So it's just like the competition is in her side as well. I yeah, just... Jen Fry lost to Kay Hansen in the UFC, has wins over Gloria DePaula and Ashley Yoder. Yeah. Gloria DePaula fought last week and lost. So, like, you know, I, I get what you're saying for sure. Um, I think for me, when I look at a fight like that, I see those odds. I was surprised by them. But to me, it made me go, shit, I must really not know much about Jin Yu Fry. Cause, I hope that's not the case. Cause, just because I'm like, man, I because I don't, because I really don't, there's not anything that stands out from any of her fights for me. Exactly, man. I, I, just, I just didn't understand it. Um, next one, 0. 0.5 units on Nate Manis Moneyline. Plus he had to do it. Do I have to explain myself here? He had to like, do This isn't me saying that I think he's going to win. It's just me saying that I don't think plus 625 is reasonable for this yeah. fight. Yeah. Um, it may prove to go that way once the fight takes place. Umar Nurmagomedov is definitely capable of putting a fight away in very quick fashion, dominating the fight. That could very well happen. But based off what we've seen of these two up to this point, I don't believe it's that much of a mismatch. Just no. don't believe it. And uh, this fight is both guys very good grapplers. But Nate Manis has showed a little bit more on the feet in his UFC outings. You know, Umar Nurmagomedov doesn't really do that. Right. He's pretty much pure submissions and grappling. So it'll be interesting to see how Manis does. Again, yeah. I'm not expecting him to win, but I have to throw you know throw it out there. 0.5 units. I mean, I'm and if it hits, a that's a pretty little payday. It know? is a pretty little payday, <laughs> and it'll be nice little unit. In, yes. Income for us. So. <laughs> very much, very much. Next one, Dom. Yes, sir. So Shavkat Rachmanov, listen, he's 15 and 0. He's in the co main event slot, slot against Neil Magny. I love this fight. I think it's perfect matchmaking for Shavkat to kind of prove where do you stand if you want to enter into this top 10 of, uh, of this division. And man, listen, I know Neil Magny's durable. I know he's tough. But at the end of the day, 15 fights, 15 finishes. Almost split right down the middle. Eight knockouts, seven submissions for Shopcop. Neil Magny, yes, goes the distance a lot. But typically, no, it's when he's on the winning side of things. He's got eight losses in his career. Six of them have come via finish. And I believe that Shavkat is that good. I believe in him. And at minus 135, for a guy that has a 100% finish rate, come on, man. I'm That was not- a great stat you threw out there about the decisions. I yeah. didn't really notice that. I, I just really do believe in Rachmanov, and I, I love Neil Magny. I think he's a dog. I think he has a chance to obviously set a record and beat GSP this weekend to get his 20th win, but I think it's Shavkat's time to shine, and I think he does it emphatically. Let's talk. We can kind of combine these next two. Very similar That's true. In, true. Our, in our mindsets here. Uh, the Cheyenne Bay or Cheyenne Bay. Oh, my God. JP Bay's taking on Cody Durden for the fight for the most likable guy in the UFC. Um, I have this fight inside the distance at plus 100. Dominic saying, fuck your last half round. <laughs> taking under two and a half rounds at plus 125. Just outdoing me just a little bit. No, but I, I, I like the plays here. I do. I yeah. think when you look at these two guys, Cody Durden, JP Bay's, um, you know, when they're not being fucks i mean they they seem to be they're pretty good fighters and 
Um, they, they, go both for have, it. they both have had tough runs, though, in the UFC. I mean, they're a combined one, four, and one mm. in the UFC. Not great. Yeah. Uh, but as far as why this fight doesn't go to distance or it goes under two and a half rounds, uh, you look at the decision rates for these guys. JP Bays only has one decision in 14 fights. Yeah. Cody Durden, four decisions, so a little bit more, but in 17 fights. This, I mean, that just is what really is on the line here. And plus, both guys fighting for their UFC careers, probably. Yes. I yep. expect someone, maybe even both, to come out here very aggressive, looking for a finish. Maybe JP Bay's motivated by his tumultuous divorce from Cheyenne Bleasmus, looks to put away uh, Cody Durden. There it is. You, you and, for, and, for no, and for no reason at all, I'm going to just mention shout out to Roman Delize for getting a big win last last week. I'm guessing right. you don't know the backstory to that. Oh boy. Well, I just, gonna... I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm pretty sure that Cheyenne Bleasmus is getting. You know. Oh okay. They're friends. Her and Roman. Her and Roman. Yeah, they they hang out a little bit. Like the bowling. Like we bowl. <laughs> With Macy Barber and uh, no, no. no, 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 no. Now you were just asking for relationship advice. Don't forget, Dom's, Dom's over there. Not a horny guy at all. Not him. Dom doesn't even have testicles. Oh my god! Like whatever, dude. <clears throat> Anyways, next fight here. <laughs> is this next on me? Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> Listen, okay. So Noah took the dog. Obviously, he's taking a chance. I love that he's taking a chance because it's worth the risk. Um. For this fight, though, in general, you know, you look at it on paper, these guys go to the decision, yada, yada, yada. I think this is going to be a sick-ass fight. I think someone's getting a finish in this one. Uh, for Namagamadol, four of his last five fights have been under two and a half rounds. Three of them have actually ended in the first, including both of his fights in the UFC have been under two and a half. And for Nate Manis, uh, seven out of his ten fights of his last ten have been under two and a half rounds. And his only professional loss also reached that market under two and a half. He mm-hmm. got body kicked TKO'd. So I just think I could see a lot of grappling, obviously, in this one. But typically, when the two really elite grapplers go together, they tend to strike. So then something could happen there. And I really do just think that on the ground, someone is probably going to get submitted. I love at minus 150, getting pretty solid odds. I think it's going under two and a half. I think it's going to be a much more exciting fight than some people may think on paper. But if you're like a really hardcore fan, this is one of the best fights of the whole weekend. See, I view I view this as being one of your riskier plays, but yet mm. the minus 150 says that this is likely how the fight is going to go. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one. It is. Let's talk about the parlays, Dom. Me and you in agreement on our first Moneyline parlay. 2.43 units in total. Of course, 1.43 of that being me and one for Dom. Armand Saryukin in the main event, along with Shavkat Rachmanov, both Moneyline plays. Shavkat, we've already kind of explained it. You know, Neil Magny is the right test for him right now. He is a good test. I am not as confident in Dom of a finish, but I think that Shavkat will be just fine if this fight goes to the distance. And yeah. yes, I, I understand that Neil Magny, the king of decision victories, so um, maybe I shouldn't be as confident in that. But I just think Rachmanov is just the more dangerous opponent at this point. Neil Magny taking a slight, a half step back, I felt like, in his last fight. I feel like we were starting to see just a bit of a decline. Main event, Armand Saryukin. Matos Gamrot's so good that, and again, I thought the odds might be a little bit too skewed in Saryukin's favor, but if I'm doing a month, you know, when I'm looking at the 
who I'm going to do a money line parlay on, this was immediately my pick. Yeah. Outside of Shavkat, Armand, I think, has just done it against the more proven. Not proven. I think he's doing it against better talent as of late. Guys that are just better right now. Gamrot gets full credit for taking on guys that were that were really good at one time, but I don't yeah. think he got the best of them when he fought them. Saryukin taking on a lot of killers in his run. I think it's only benefited him because you see the dividends it's paying off now. This was a guy that got criticized at one time for not getting finishes. Yeah. Here he is on back-to-back finishes. And brutally, might I add, the Joel Alvarez and even Christos Yagos was all on the feet. Yeah. I think he's the more well-rounded fighter, and I think that's the big edge here. Yeah. Because he just, again, it's kind of what you say. It's If we're playing the odds, more routes to victory has got to be what kind of gives someone the edge. Yeah, my, I love everything that Noah said. Copy and paste for me. And, you know, I originally wanted to add a third leg to those two, but then I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. It worked last week. My, If you watched last week, we kind of took a different approach. We went all two legs. I had three two-leg money line parlays, two of which hit one. Well, I was one leg short of. It turned out to be an amazing performance from Natalia Silva, so I can't even complain about mm-hmm. that. So I went with that two-legger in agreement with Noah, and then I went an additional two-leg money line. Tiago Moises, he's a closing at a minus 255. I really like Tiago, man. When he is there and, like, putting on his best performances, I think he really is, like, a top 15 talent. I really do believe that. He's five years younger uh, than Chris Jose Tiago, who we just talked about a second ago uh, with these two main event guys. I just think Tiago has not only kind of put together more, I think his ceiling is a bit higher, but in his wins, it's more impressive than Giagos's wins. He's beaten Michael Johnson. He's beaten Bobby Green. He's beaten Alexander Hernandez. That was that three-fight win streak he went on mm-hmm. uh, before that two-fight skid that he's on. So yes, He had a ranking next to his name yes, not too long ago. He had a ranking next to his name, and then he had to run into a guy named Islam Makachev in his main event. That was kind mm-hmm. of a main event that felt somewhat similar to this one a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he's on a two-fight skid, not momentum, but I think he bounces back again. Just the younger guy, the higher ceiling. I think he gets it done. And then TJ Brown, I like this fight because, again, better competition here in the UFC. He's going up against (laughs) – I'm going to fuck this up. (laughs) Shillian – Shay – okay, I'm just going to – I think it's Shaylin. Shaylin Nerdonbecki. (laughs) Nerdonbecki. I'm going to call him Wolverine because that's – He said said, Nerdonbecki. Now, listen – Experience-wise, experience-wise, you're probably thinking, well, he, he's 37 and 10, the Wolverine that is. But it's it's one of those guys, and I'm not, like, making accusations, but we see this a lot, right? With some of these Chinese mm-hmm. fighters, they come in with records that are just unreal. Just crazy. You're saying he's stat-padded. I'm just saying that he's 1-1 one and one right now in the UFC. He lost to Joshua Kulabau. He just fought, I think, last week, didn't he? Or a couple, couple weeks, weeks ago. ago. And then he, he beat Sean Soriano. But if you look at TJ's side, he's coming off a win against Charles Rosa. He's beaten Kai Kamaka the third. And the, yes, the Jordan Griffin loss in his UFC debut, not great. But then he lost the decision to Danny Chavez as well. He won his fight on the contender series to get in. He's a bit older, 16 and 8, not as clean of a record. But I believe that he's minus 205 for a reason. I'm willing to take a risk. Last week I had one parlay piece that came in plus money or right around to it. So if I can do that every week and maybe hit one or two here or there, I like it. That's why I'm going Tiago Moises, TJ Brown. I really do think both those guys win, but I didn't want to risk 
adding that third leg to Saryukin and Rachmanov. So let's split it up. Um, by the way, so do you remember that fighter? I think his name was Azamat something, the guy who had all those fights, all his wins, like, taken off. From the Ukraine, that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. Um, I, I was seeing where Shaolin is kind of the opposite, the reverse Azamat, because he just had a bunch of wins added no shit. to his record just – Literally, like the last time he fought, I think I saw the clip going around. It he was like nineteen and ten. Really? And now he's thirty-seven and ten. So, well, I bet the house on that parlay. I'm just kidding. It's not a lot, <laughs> but like I really do believe in T.J. Brown. I did not know that. That's great. Well, I think that does in some ways. Like that's great, and I'm glad that he's getting his record, you know, corrected. But in some ways, doesn't that kind of speak to what you're saying? Where it's like how hard it was for them to verify that these fights even happened. Yeah, something's off, you know. So, you know, I'm, again, I'm maybe – I'm not saying that that's the reason that it's saying it's, but it does kind of feel like, you know – I I love that the UFC is trying to break so much ground in China and, you know, like the road to UFC stuff. I think it's great and, and really just all of Asia as a whole. But so far, I think it's going to be a slow build. Because yeah. you just see a lot of the talent there just needs time to develop. There's just not as much talent there as there is in the West of the world. So, like, a lot of these guys that come – and girls that come in with great records, great finish, finishing capabilities, streaks, and all that, they just don't seem to fare as well against the rest of the world. And yeah. it's just going to take time. I mean, yes, you have, you know, the outliers, the the Weili Zhangs, the Li Jingliangs, and Song stuff Yidong. like that. Yeah. Song Yidong. But – um, it's just, you know, it's going to take time, but it's, it's, there is a reasonable to be pessimistic about, you know, someone like Shay Lynn who just is unproven, but I didn't right. just want to throw that in there. I thought it was interesting. 37 it is. 10. I didn't is, know that. It's a lot of fights. You know? Yeah. Shit ton. He's only 28. So yeah. And for Tiago Moises, Dom, like this is a big fight for him. He's four and four in the UFC. Oh, it's big. But he's, but he has fought just a lot of good, solid dudes. So yeah. Yeah. Um, he's really in need of like a bounce back here. And Christo Chiago's a bit, you know, I feel like his losses have been against very good fighters, but I don't feel like he's really beaten. That's that was the biggest thing for me. Yeah. So yeah. um yeah, I like it. I like everything we have on here. Let us know what picks you're mm-hmm. picking, what, what bets you're placing, what sports books you're using. This weekend, these, of course, all odds and all of our picks are being placed with deep. Uh, I was messed out of DraftKings Sportsbook. Yep. So shout out to them. Yes. And Dominic, that's pretty much going to wrap us up here. But we do have one more thing before we go. And that is closing statements. Mm. Closing mm. statements, mm. the part of the show where me and Dominic can talk about anything and everything. MMA related, not MMA related as a way to send us off into the weekend. Nothing. Nothing. You you drained me so much with my laugh and that fucking bet slip back there that I, anything that was in my head, I had a hard time talking about the rest of my bets after that. So, it was yeah. it was tough to stay. Uh, I kept like looking focused. at you. You know those moments in school. I guess this is kind of a closing statement. When like your buddy would do something funny and it would be you'd laugh and laugh yeah. and laugh, but then like you'd be like. It would keep like coming back out, like you would keep giggling a little bit, like you you would think about it five minutes later and start laughing. I kept trying to fight that during that bet slip because I would look at Noah 
and picture what he had just done. And I, I, you probably see me during that segment smiling when Noah was talking. I was trying to hold back, not bursting out. Laughing. I wasn't looking at you. I refused to look oh, at dude, you. While I that's what it reminded me. Like some little dumb joke back in fourth grade. <laughs> 10 minutes to go by and I'm like, oh, I start laughing again and get in trouble. <laughs> flip my card to yellow. That's what that was. Yeah, flip the card to yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, something I thought of when you were saying that, I don't know why I thought of this. <laughs> I, I thought of it because it happened to you. <laughs> so, oh, boy. So when we were in high school, I'm going to tell this story from my perspective. Okay. So, Ooh, I'm excited for this. I... So me and Dominic, you know, we were pals in high school. Maybe not to the extent that we are now, but we've always been, you know, we've always been like friends. We've always right. been, we've always been like, as it, the years went on, it got I closer, would say Dom was always that guy, basically from like uh, fifth, sixth grade till junior, senior year of high school, where we actually started to get closer then went to college, of course, became roommates and podcast co-hosts, yep. you know, all that. During that time frame, Dom was always that guy that's like, I wish I hung out with him more. That was always my feelings on Dom. So it was like, he was always that guy that's like, God, I always, I really like Dom, but don't hang out with him. He doesn't invite me over for WrestleMania, you know, and just like, whatever, dude. Biggest <laughs> regret of my childhood. <laughs> but in all seriousness, we were, so we were in, um, I think it was sophomore year, advanced English. Yeah, that's right. We're smart. Um, the teacher, Dom, Dominic's mother-in-law. So (laughs) just a little setup here. Um, so she was unfortunately out. I forget why. I don't know why she wasn't there. So we had a sub and you know, the, the way that, uh, I I don't know if I should mention names, but the way that, uh, your uh, mother-in-law ran her classroom was, you know, once you got your work done, you could have all your phone out. You could be talking, yeah. whatever. Like, she kind of just let us yeah. do what we wanted to do. And, you know, it was great. Like, it was just a very laid-back class. You know, we're the advanced kids. We're the smart ones. We don't need to do all this stupid schoolwork. You know right. what I mean? No. Right. So, I'm sitting there just – I'm still – I think I'm still doing work or something. Because, again, I you know, we'd get all these books to read, and I wouldn't read them. And, you know, <laughs> just it was a mess. Yeah. So I'm doing some sort of quiz or something. And we had a substitute named Miss Liberty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, Miss Liberty didn't have her too many times. But uh, she was this very awkward older woman who just, you know, she looked like, you know, she probably had a few cats, you know, in her house. and Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she she wasn't a mean lady. She just, you know, a little she strict. Seemed, she seemed, I think she was a little. Un, I think she wasn't very confident in, in mm. her. So she comes in there, and we're all just being ourselves, laid back yeah. on our phones, talking. But we kind of get we got our work done. Now I'm still working on something, and probably a couple other kids are. So I'm sitting a couple desk behind Dominic. And Dominic's talking to whoever, and he has his phone out. And he's just, you know, talking on his phone. This Liberty, out of everything going on, walks up to Dom and just grabs the phone out of the Swooped table. it right out. Didn't say nothing. Whoop. Swiper, no swiping. Yes. what Dominic should have said in that moment. But he didn't. <laughs> so she just takes his phone. And I remember I just see Dominic, like, he looks at his hand. And he's just like... And that was it. 
It was gone. She didn't. She didn't take. It was gone. You never got that phone back. No, no words were said. <laughs> and everybody just kept going. Yeah. Talking on their phone, but Dominic just had his phone taken away. Yeah. Now is, everyone what am else I, had what their am, shit out. What, what am I missing from that? Is there anything I'm missing about what what happened afterwards? How did you get your phone back? I don't think so. I think I probably just went up after. It might have been. She might have been the one to be like, come back at the end of the day, not after class. I can't remember. Oh my gosh. I can't, re- I can't remember. I don't remember a lot of things from high school, but I do remember getting my phone taken by that uh, substitute. I wonder if I did. I feel like I got it back at the end of the day. Nice, dude. nice correction there. You're like, that uh, substitute. <laughs> I don't think I got it back to the end of the day, if I that's, remember correctly. That's crazy. And didn't it feel like everyone else around me was also on their phone? Yes. Well, you were talking to, like, I swear it was Tommy or Nick. Or Nick JP. was in there with us, yeah. And I swear you both were on. And then she just, boop. Yeah. See ya. And I was a good kid. And Dominic was like, and Dominic was literally like the last kid that you would. <laughs> I can I can confirm he was like the last guy who you would, who would get in trouble for something like that. Yeah, man. Like, now you got me on a tangent. I want to say one more thing. <laughs> Sixth grade. Shout out, Mr. Powers. Goat, by the way. One of the yeah, best. Mr. One of the Powers. best ever. Do it. I, I know the story. Though. Yeah. Were you in there? No, but I I know the story. So we had a buddy. We call him Jordo, and he. <laughs> I don't know what was going on during the social studies class. It was really quiet. People were just working on homework or something. Well, Probably his one of those class, maps. Well, his class, yes. There was a lot of maps. It was a geography-heavy yes. social studies class. So, like, we were, it was always quiet because you're always just like, God, where the fuck is Ecuador? You're like, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like, is this New Hampshire a state? I don't remember. <laughs> and, uh, and he fucking threw an eraser. You know the eraser you could pop? They pop right off yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the little rubber ones. And he, yep. threw it, he threw it at me, doinked it right off my head in the middle of class. He doesn't see it. The teacher doesn't see it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to fire it right back at you, Jordan. I pick it up, throw it right back across the room at Jordan. All, all the teacher goes, he goes, Mr. Salee, see me after class. I'm like, oh, fuck. This is like the first time I'd ever gotten in trouble. It was sixth grade. I'm scared to death. Didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, and then and then it happened. I got in trouble. I got a Thursday school. No, I don't know if you ever had a Thursday school, but that was the punishment for. I guess I justified it as I was throwing the eraser back to Jordan, but he saw it as more of an aggressive throw. So uh, there's the tangent of me getting in trouble. I guess. I didn't disappear, did I? No, no, you were here. You were oh. here. Well, you, you looked a little confused at one you, point. You on cut out for like five seconds. So I missed like all oh, of that, no. but you literally you cut out. You were going, Mr. Powers said, Mr. Salee. And then it just cut out. Oh. It started doing the scrolls yeah, on both yeah. our faces. I was like, oh shit. I'm like, Dom's going to have to redo that story. And then he came back and you're like, I don't know if you ever had a Thursday school, Noah, but, and I was, <laughs> but yeah. I, there was one, I think the, the only, I've only had one detention ever. Because mm-hmm. I also was a pretty well mannered, yeah, good kids kid. outside of freshman year high school. I guess I we won't talk about it. <laughs> so that was a messy year for me, but I still didn't get in trouble very much. True, but this is the year that this happens. So, okay. okay, so I was in um, it was freshman year math, which would have been pre-algebra. I think Oof. it was pre-algebra. Yeah, and the teacher was Mister Parker. So I had him 
Now, every day in this class, there was me and one of our mutual friends from high school. I'm just going to call him Josh. Oh, man. Who, Shout who out sat, to Josh. Sat, and uh, he sat, Josh sat in front of me. Or, yeah. yeah. No, I sat in the front and Josh sat right behind me. And every day we'd come in there. It was like sixth or seventh period. Last oh, end period of the of day. day. Yeah. And we would just sleep. Mm. We would sleep for the whole period. And Mr. Parker never once woke <laughs> us up. Nothing like that. Now, next to me, in the row next to me, the very first seat was filled by a man, a boy at the time, a man, a boy man. A boy man. Who I will refer to as Larison. Yes, shout out also another legend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Larison in the seat, right? So Mr. the reason I wake up is because Mr. Parker is handing us homework for me to pass back okay. behind me. So I had to wake up Josh. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> homework. Yeah. Um, so then we have time to work on it before the end of the day. So me and Larison, we always used to kind of fuck with each other going mm-hmm. back to even like eighth grade. And he was just one of those guys that like always fucked with people. Yes, yes. So he did something to me. And I can't remember what it was, but I thought he like pinched the shit out of me or something or like flicked me with a rubber band or something. Something that just got me like, fuck, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Damn it. yeah. Like while I was sleeping, like just fucking got yeah. me. So then he goes and uses the bathroom. And now in all my wisdom, <laughs> you know, I could have, there was so many things I could have done to, to fuck with him, you know, back, get him back, uh-huh. you know, but I chose a way that would just incriminate me completely. I took his homework and I just started scribbling on it, like oh, over the whole thing. Oh no. I was writing like, fuck you. I was writing, like, girls with big old boobies, like, stick figure women with big old boobies on it. Yeah. And I, I might have even said, like, Noah's your daddy or something on there. Like, just literally incriminated myself. Yeah. So he comes back, sits down, he's like, dude, what the fuck? He's like, <laughs> what, what is this? He's like, I can't turn this in now. And I'm like, fuck you, bitch. I'm like, you get what you deserve. So in the commotion... Oh, Mr. No. Parker starts walking over. Oh I'm no! Like, I'm like, I'm like, Larison, put it, put it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Larison's not doing it because, of course, he's he's mad. Yes, yeah. as, as he would. So it's just sitting there. And Mr. Parker comes over and he goes, picks up the paper. And oh, goes, who wrote on Mr. Larison's paper? Did your heart it, sink? It did, and I just sunk into my chair. I wasn't going to say anything. I'm like, I'm not going down for this. Yeah, you're like Ralphie when they stuck the fucking. I'm like technically on the pole. Technically, nobody saw me draw on this. Like right. it might say Noah's your daddy, but it, yeah, that doesn't mean anybody. he wrote it. Right. Could be anybody. Yeah. And he says, "All right, I'm going to ask again. Who did this? Or else both of these. He's like, or else both rows here are all going to spend detention with me tomorrow. Oh, which maybe an abuse of power, maybe." That's a way to make someone... But I also... It might have been bluffing as well. Yeah. yeah. But it worked. Because then I went... I did it. Yeah. I did it, Mr. Parker. Look at you, though, standing up for the team. Because I didn't want to screw over everybody else. Because nobody was about to snitch. Right. He said... He said, be here 
I forget what time tomorrow. That was it. So then I go in the next morning. You know, I think I told my dad I needed to go to the computer lab. Oh, so you went in before school. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And I told my dad, I made up some lie. I had to be at school for something. Yeah. So he drops me off and I'm in there. I'm saying, it's literally just me and him, Mr. And then when it was time, when it was over, he came over to me and he goes, well, because by the way, I slept for. During the detention. Yes. Which, you know, he had become accustomed to that. By right. That point. And I'll never forget this quote. He came over and he said, Noah, stuff like this and actions like these are the reasons why you're never going to have a job better than Burger King. Anyways. There it is. (laughs) I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Salee. We're the Below Average Joes, and we'll see you on Monday.